Hey, real quick, I just wanted to let you know that Gabba Gabba Hunt is now a record store. Well, not really a store, but a booth at an antique store located in Eastridge Mall in Gastonia, North Carolina. Vintage Village is three stores down from Dillard's on the left. And my booth is on the left side of Vintage Village. It's the one with all the records. You can't miss it. I've got over a thousand records, toys, t-shirts, DVDs, VHS, all kinds of stuff there. So come check it out. Gabba Gabba Hunt Records and Vintage Goods located in Vintage Village at Eastridge Mall, Gastonia, North Carolina. This episode of Gabba Gabba Hunt Talks is brought to you by Hobo Wolfman Records. If you haven't been to HoboWolfmanRecords.com yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. I say it every week. Hobo Wolfman Records has all kinds of crazy shit and all kinds of great music that you need to get to put on your turntable or in your cassette deck or in your CD player. And right now, for a limited time, if you enter the code GABAGABA at checkout, you'll get 30% off your entire order, including pre-orders. I know you got a tax return burning a hole in your pocket right now, so get over to HoboWolfmanRecords.com. And one quick note about this episode. We talk about Dwayne's podcast near the end, but we never mention the name of the podcast. It's the Punk Rock Movie Discussion, and you can find it at Spotify, probably anywhere else you listen to podcasts, or you can get it at herosupport.bandcamp.com. You are now listening to the Gabba Gabba Hunt Talks Podcast, where we bring you conversations with people connected to the Carolina's underground music scene. Your host, Mike Phillips of Van Huskins. me it's just like i used to run the 112 and everything and people come talk to me and i'm just like look man you don't have to fuck, fuck i'll help you with the show if i feel like you are supporting other people like we had the guys from um carolina the carolina hardcore dudes that would do all the tough guy stuff yeah and those dudes sucked yeah they would come out fly to my shows at my house and then leave they never supported anything we did plus the bands they brought in were super homophobe yeah. bro, bro dudes and they were shitty people and i was like dude you got to be able to like stand up for that you that you that is yours if you're gonna book it here i was like i'll let you do a show here i was like but the moment that shit goes south or something weird i was like i'm not i'm not gonna say or say i'm not i was like because you don't support me you need me for a show mm-hmm. and it wound up not working out but i'm like i'm not gonna say to support you uh because you need to think for new reason i'm like there's plenty of people come in here that are you know like new bands that are really awesome and you know and stuff and like like i get people realize oh we have an off day for warp tour Can we play your venue and i'm like first of all it's a house Probably not. I'm like, you know, I don't know what you're expecting to get or whatever, but yeah, like, I don't know. But like, Jay, man, Jay records everything. I only use Jay for, I think Jay is the fucking greatest dude. And I love hanging out with him. He's funny. And I want to go have dinner or whatever and stuff. Yeah. He's a good dude. The thing about him, it's funny, is people will kind of talk, kind of flack about his recording because this is what happens when you record Jay. Like, say you're Jay mm-hmm. and you're recording your stuff, like you did, 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 you stop and you'll look at him and he's just, and he'll go, you, you done? Like, yeah. Like, he's he engineers. Mm-hmm. He's all about getting you in there and out. Like, we recorded a Cherry Icy CD in there, 13 songs, man. One day. Yeah. We hit it up live. We spent about an hour and a half getting everything set up because we were ready to go in. We were going to do it all pretty much live, get it done, go do a little backing stuff. We were done. Yeah. And, but, like, because he is there getting that mix ready to get you to the next level. And, plus, it's not his songs. He doesn't know how they go. Mm-hmm. He'll play them, listen. He's like... I didn't hear anything out of the ordinary. It sounded weird. Are you guys good with it? Yeah. yeah. Were you ready to move on? Sure. And he'll do what you want to do, but I mean, it's not his band. Yeah. And I think people kind of want him to be like, almost like a producer, but he's not. He's an engineer. Yeah. And he's really good and he's really fast and he's not there to fuck you out of money. And that's yeah. the great thing about him. Like I said, he's solid. 
And you go in there, and if you say, hey, man, we want to try to do a full length today, he's not going to be like, oh, you sure you don't want to do it for two days? Like, he won't, he's not that guy. Yeah. But he was like, sure, go ahead. We'll, we'll do it. We'll give it a shot. Yeah. And I'll go in, I'll be like, hey, what you, and like, you don't need to take anything because his equipment, he has pretty much whatever you would want in there. Mm -hmm. He has the wall of amps, so you don't have to carry anything down there. His bass rig is like the fucking best. Yeah. And even his in house bass is fucking fantastic. Like, Walter uses it every time he's in there. And I'll go in, I'm like, hey, man, we're going to record. What do you, what do you got in, in house that you, he's like, dude, I just bought this Birch Tamer Rockstar. He's like, I really like to try to record it. And I'm like, yeah. let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and stuff. And, like, I'll bring the stuff, like, my hardware and my setup. But, like, I'll be like, what do you got? And he's like, well, these record really well. And we'll go ahead and moon with them or whatever and stuff. Because I, I know what is going to sound best for him. And I just trust him. But I, like, I don't want to go in there and spend tons of money. Yeah. I go and I've went and recorded with him and done multiple days. And it sounds way worse than going there and just fucking ripping through shit one day. And just being, like, feeling good and just yeah, making yeah. it happen. Like, we did... Three Lewis turnout recordings there. The first one we went in did a standard four or five song, one day fine. It sounded great. It's one of the better recordings. The second time we went, in, we spent two days. Granted, we had to go in. Aaron uh, was out of tune the whole first day, so we mm -hmm. had to go back in and and re-record. It just didn't have the energy like it would have normally had. Uh, vocally, it just it seemed way too polished too. It was like I don't know, it just didn't quite work. But then we did the third album, which was funny because I had moved to guitar we did not have a drummer at the time uh this is i think before we had gotten shelby so i was going in and i did all the drums all the guitars mm -hmm. second guitars my vocals on top of everything and i think it sounds fantastic we did it all in one day i just tracked everything as a three-piece and then went back and recorded all my guitar parts and all my vocals and all the mains that i had to do and uh like yeah it was awesome i was like eh, but He's just really easy to work with, man. It and sounds like we, we, we record with a guy named Brandon Hamby. Yeah. Uh, up in Elkin, North Carolina. And it's the same way. You go in there. He's like, what do you want to do? We record it live. Mm -hmm. We listen to a song. He's the same way. If, if he hears something, he'll let us know. But otherwise, it's like, what do you guys think? Yeah. And it's all just real laid back. And we go in there and we knock it out one day. Because yeah. I don't, I don't want to do that two, three-day thing no. either. Because I think it does lose something. No. I think if you go in there and you try to knock it all out with the same energy, that's when it really works the best. Yeah. And we did that with John Bowman. We recorded that CD. We recorded like 13, well, 12 tracks and I yeah. think 11, or 11 tracks, 12 songs in one day. We just like, let's do it all. Yeah. We came back and did the vocals the next day, but we could have done them that same day if we wanted yeah. to. We just kind of decided to not do it that day. Yeah. And I kind of wish we would have after we went back the next day and it was like, we kind of lost the momentum, I felt like. But no, if you're really going and you're in it and you're, you're going for it, especially if you go in like, the thing about going in to, to record that I always tell people, I'm like, go in, just go in ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, that's what we do. Like we're when ready. I played with we're Walsham, ready. I remember we went in to, re to record with, uh, with uh, shit, what's his name, Chris Kincaid from Hope's Fall, mm -hmm. uh, One Amazing Kid, whatever. This was after his Hope's Fall, but he had his, his studio and all the Walsham recordings are done there. And they had recorded, and I, when I had joined the band, we went to do the next recording, and um, we went in to record, and... The drummer of the band's kid named uh, Rory. I don't know what the problem was, man, but he went in and he was not. Uh, he he. I don't. He just wasn't ready. Like we go in the play, and Chris was just straight up was like, "Look, this isn't working." It was like his drums are all over the place. He's like, "Just give me fifty bucks for my time today." He's like, "Let's just let's just call it. Let's just cut our losses." He's like, "Because you guys aren't going to get a record good recording today." He's like, "It's just not working out." And I was like, "Awesome. Okay, fine." 
you know, and stuff. And so we went back, we're like, dude, you've got to get your shit together. I don't know what you're doing or what's going on. And he's like, okay, okay. And we went the next time, we nailed it. It was great. It, you know, and like I put out that discography for that band. And I'm only on a couple of the songs. Like mm. it's really long, but they were a band before I joined. And then they were a band after I joined. When we didn't do the Cherry Icy stuff, we had booked a day because I'm the person that's like, when we're getting ready to record, like with Seriously Dead, the new band, we recorded a, uh, we set a date to record two months out. We're like, look, we're going to set this date because we know what we're aiming for. Yeah. We know what we got to have done. We know we have enough to get this done, you know, because we're going to, we were going to go into like six songs or something. And uh, we had a drummer at the time. And um, it's just, I like to do that. I was like, we need something to work towards. If mm. we just wait around and work, you know, I mean, and we had a pretty regular schedule. We were all adults with jobs, so we were pretty much getting together every Saturday morning or Sunday morning in Greenville. We had a practice space down there, and uh, it was actually pretty cool, man. It was good. We've actually moved on now because Harry um, took the jam room audio class years ago. Yeah. And Harry's whole thing is audio engine. He's just fucking amazingly good. Like, he'll send me full songs. Like, I pretty much wrote the song, and he'll program everything through and stuff, and and I actually went a couple years ago and invested in a, a digital kit. Yeah. Which digital kits have come really, really far now. And like, so we record, we tracked, uh, if you get the, the Seriously Day cassette has an extra track on it. It's an AFI cover at the end. We record that in-house in a metal practice space in a storage facility. Yeah. Uh, but, but we did everything digitally. We used uh, amp samplers and stuff because Harry's like, like I said, he's like, basically he's like, just fucking kills it with those. Yeah. And I record everything in my tech through my digital kit. And me and him basically recorded everything because the drummer we had couldn't play the drums. <laughs> they were too fast. So we, we did um, um, fuck, The Boy Destroyed the World. You know, the really fast one. So like we went and recorded it. And like it turned out great. We did it for a comp for Middleman Records for their Grave Neighbors comp. But um, but yeah, we just did it in-house every yeah. two weekends. And it turned out great. And I told him, I was like, look, man, I think I was like, we're kind of to the point now. Like, he he's so good at recording. I was like, we probably could just go ahead and do everything in-house. So I think our next recording, once he gets comfortable, like us getting back together, because we've got a new EP of stuff written. It's just we don't have a drummer because I play guitar vocals. Like, I write most of the stuff. So yeah. it really sucks to be on drums on that. Yeah. But I think we're going to go ahead and just track everything and get a new record ready to go just because fucking why not? Yeah, Until we can find somebody. Exactly. Like, the fact that I'm not playing drums makes it nearly imp- I don't understand. Like, I feel like I'm the drummer <laughs> guy that everybody wants to have. Like, I don't know. Like, I usually seriously would have at least two to three things going at one time. But I've kind of got out of that lately. Cause yeah, I was it's it's with, hard the older you get. To... Yeah. Well, it's like I had Lewis Trout going for a while, and then I was also doing that Harlem Downtrotters band. Mm-hmm. And then after the Downtrotters kind of stopped, because um, it's funny, I was playing drums in the Downtrotters, but then Chip was playing drums in Lewis Trout. I'd moved the guitar again. Yeah. And that's when we went to record. He had left, and I recorded the drums for that EP. And then we got Shelby, and we were playing that way. But then when we were doing that, Shelby wanted to start up her project, The Cherry Ices, again, yeah. which is all her music. But me and Walter were like, we like it. We're just going to back you on it. And we just helped her write the stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that happened. And then, like, I started weirdly doing Seriously Dead because everything had kind of stopped. Well, well, I'll use some of this to, like, lead okay, up yeah. to I the... figured you would short that down later on. Or uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, and we'll, we'll talk about a lot of that. We'll probably, okay. probably get back around to. Yeah. Uh, but I'll, I'll use some of that, especially, like, the J stuff about recording. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to use that for my intro. Okay. And then I'll just say that I'm talking to... Uh, I like to call you Dwayne Style sometimes. That's fine. Cause I 
a matter of fact, I was hanging out with Dwayne Haight earlier today. Yeah. Another Dwayne, except yeah. he's Dwayne and you're Dwayne. Yeah. Um, he's but I was, D-U-A-N-E. He's D-U-A-N-E. And I was, so Dwayne Short, one of my best friends, I was hanging out with him earlier today. Yeah. And I was like, I'm hanging out with, with Dwayne today. And I'm hanging out with Dwayne tonight. He's like, Dwayne, Dwayne who? I was like, Dwayne Style. He's like, oh yeah. Yeah. So no, I haven't seen him in a really long time. Yeah. He's a great guy. He's when I saw him jealous. last, he still had black hair yeah he's 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 gray now oh, well yeah, he's yeah. he's bald now but he's yeah. got a great goatee yeah. anyway so i'm talking to Dwayne burns yeah and um we we first met oddly Fuck. enough like in middle school i guess or, or maybe earlier than that i'm trying to remember how long I, we this, knew each this other. Is, did you go to this, north school yes this this is what i remember okay because of you all right let's just break down we'll uh, like we'll get to this i guess some the accidents like that band yeah I was in Central, I know for a fact in Central, mm-hmm. you, Welburn, Bowen were in a class with me. Yeah. Uh, because, sorry, Greg Bowen, I used to talk about, I was like, that kid looks just like Wormser from fucking Revenge of the Nerds. Trust me. Well, I think, I think yes, he heard uh, that like quite that a bit. Or whatever, <laughs> like that. And then I remember Matt Welburn being the kid. He always wore those fucking knee-high chucks. Yeah. And he always brought Dead Milkman cassettes to fucking school. Yeah. We That's were, what I, me and Matt got into Dead Milkman in middle school. I remember that being a thing that he yeah. always had those and stuff. And, and uh, But yeah, Welburn. I don't think I went to... Eric, I don't know. Is Eric a Gastonia Eric's kid? Eric's from Gastonia. Okay, but yeah, yeah that makes sense. Me and you, I, I remember you. So it seems like we... But we, I did go to North yeah, very we, early on, but then I transferred to Bethware. Yeah. For like was, probably third, fourth, fifth year or whatever. Something like I that. think when we were in some classes together in like Central or, or, or Middle but School. I know or Central junior, we were Junior High and, and places we... I was like, I went to school with him, you know, yeah. way back when. I remembered you from like elementary school, but yeah. I hadn't seen you in years. Yeah. Um, because I was a Kings Mountain kid, yeah. Yeah. And then I remember like, one of the things I do remember was, you remember when we were in, I guess, eighth grade or ninth grade, uh, Miss Woods was the English teacher. And she used to have these parties over at her house. Yes. And we went to her house. We went over yes. to her house and like, yes. like we that was just... the last year I went to school in North Carolina. Yeah, I moved to exactly. Clover. Yeah, like, Cause the you next disappeared year. not long after that. Yeah. And... Cause I moved to my parents bought uh land in Clover and I transferred down there because it was crazy. Cause in, oh, some... and let, let me clarify real quick before you get started on the story. Oh. When, when I'm talking about the parties at Miss Woods house, this wasn't like parties with alcohol. <laughs> we were like in eighth grade, I think. And, and she just had like some get togethers over her house with all the students. And we just hung out and, Watch movies and and oh, played, I brought I brought some ball. I brought some fucking movies. I remember that. I remember because I, I remember you bringing, them, but I brought some. I remember looking at, at through your the movies that you brought, and it was like it was Hard Bodies was one of them. And I, I was think thinking, it was. Uh, I was like, we can't watch that here. No, I think the thing <laughs> is, is what the problem was is this. This is this is the great thing about like the kids who don't understand three channel television or early cable. Yeah, my dad when we got cable when I was younger, my dad had a steamer trunk. Mm. If we watched it. He videotaped it. Yeah. <laughs> like, whatever it was. So, the thing it being having hard bodies, more than likely, it probably had Goonies. Exactly, my dad didn't yeah. give a shit. My dad would just tape whatever. What was The tape was available, and my dad would tape, like, hard bodies. And, like, my dad, it's crazy. When I was younger, we bought our first VCR TV combination from Curtis Mathis and Shelby, North I remember Carolina. That place, yeah. And, like, my dad would go rent movies, and he would just get, like, uh, like, not even that shit like that, like these crazy super well considered cult films now that you know maniac things like that. And I would watch these as a kid because my dad just let me watch what the fuck ever. Yeah. And occasionally he would get something to be a little fucking racy, and I'd be like, Dad, this just got some real <laughs> nut stuff in it. But like horror man, he didn't give a shit, dude. He would be over there like 
probably smoking a cigarette, drinking coffee or whatever, talking to my mom or whatever, and I'd just have a movie in because he would go. We would rent seven, eight movies for the weekend and just go crazy. Yeah. And then I got a Nintendo later and then became Nintendo rental stuff. But, like, yeah, I watched What the Fuck Ever. But, like, when we got cable afterwards, if, like, so if it came on, because I remember he would tell my, my mom, my mom's name is Rita, R-E-D-A, not R-I-T-A. So he'd be like, Rita, <laughs> make sure you give me some videotapes from the Family Dollar. Yeah. <laughs> so he would always have a collection of blank tapes. And like I said, if it well, if it came on and he was going to take the time to watch it, it would it would fucking we would we would have like it, and the thing was it didn't matter. Like, my my grandma was the same way. Like I've said, got if he watched Hard Bodies, the next thing could be Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. It did not fucking matter. <laughs> it just got taped. And I remember bringing stuff and been like, "Well, this is something people might like and whatever." Yeah, and it probably had some fucking Malibu Express or something like that on <laughs> yeah. it or something because like I said, my dad would watch that late night shit, you know, and stuff like that, and like he would had these movies but yeah he had a steamer trunk and like finally eventually weather got to it i mean like it was in a, a metal tin building outside and i think that shit finally just like deteriorated but mm-hmm. like dude my dad had like this insane collection of stuff like i said if it was on like that's how shit got in rotation man like you know your early canon films like i'd watch the shit over and fucking over and yeah. granted i'm sure i brought stuff that nobody like Oh God, some Chuck Norris movies, and yeah, they are not gonna get to watch fucking Invasion yeah. USA or whatever. But I brought it because I love it, and they're probably like, "No, nah, we're not watching any of this stuff." Because yeah. <laughs> so whatever it was, it's probably some shit she had curated herself or whatever. But yeah, but now I remember because I remember didn't Wilbur bring a Matt a dead Milkman video or something with him? Because I remember like watching have, some yeah. sort of music video that he had. Yeah, yeah, that was um, that was years ago. And the, then the funny thing is, is like a few years later, um. I think going to Carowinds or coming back from Carowinds. I'm coming mm. back through South Carolina and we stop at a McDonald's and oh yeah, yeah. you're working at the McDonald's. I'm like, I know that dude. Yes. But I think I can't remember if like you had so, somehow I realized at that point that you were into like some of the same stuff we were. Yeah. Like the, the, I think maybe I talked to you or something. I probably, I remember I used to get in trouble with that job because I wore, speak of the devil, I wore an anthrax hat. That was hat probably what it was. All the time. Yeah. Work, and they would get mad. Like, you can't wear a hat. Oh, a disease that affects cattle or whatever. <laughs> and I just wore it because I was like, whatever, dude. Because I had long hair and the, the shitty fucking McDonald's hat. Whatever. I didn't really knew shit. I mean, that was because I worked there for like part of high school and a couple years after. Um, yeah, because that was like my first job. And around that period or whatever, I mean, I probably had to be going. To, we probably were seeing these shows by then because. Um, it was probably pretty close. I think this was like a little bit before that. This was, I think I was still in high school. It's probably. And, I graduated. I remember going back and telling Matt, 92? I was like, do you remember that guy, Dwayne Burns? And Matt's like, yeah, I remember him. I was like, man, I saw him at McDonald's and he was like wearing a, I don't remember whatever shirt or whatever yeah. it was. Something that let me, let me know that you was, were into cool music too. It was probably an like, anthrax hat because shit. I could get away with it at work because I would totally wear it because I'd read yeah. it and they would get so fucking pissed. Because I mean, give you shit. I mean, half my friend, like, it was those things where like, it might have been at the time, Russell worked there also, Russell Ellis, who was in the Style Kings and Mitchell. He was probably even, maybe even been a manager at the time by then or whatever. Because I worked there for about four years. But that was yeah. the job I got in high school. And I worked there from like 11th grade until probably two years after. And then I went to Toys R Us. And oh, everything after that is fucking history <laughs> and whatever. But um, the milestone was a huge thing for me then. I was going to the milestone regularly. I was still in high school when the first milestone show. Yeah, same same for me. It was because, when we started finding the, the Sunday night matinee shows. Well, what what happened, This is my I can this is my exact... Uh, the thing that's so funny is, like, I was in high school, and the thing that's so funny about, because I went to Clover, and you have to, like, so we'll say 90, 91, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the age, because I remember people driving to shows. I I didn't start driving until 12th grade, because 
the way my birthday falls, like I was 17 when I graduated. Yeah. So I had just kind of licensed air or whatever, but we would go to shows. And I remember like I was super into, um, I was the only person with the exception, I guess Russell kind of, but I was a very huge thrash kid. Like mm-hmm. I listened to just fucking Exodus and DRI and Anthrax and Slayer. Like that was my shit. That I was that guy. But then I got into fucking grindcore and death metal, mm-hmm. which to this day, Napalm Death is probably e- easily my top three bands of all time. Okay. Like to this day, like we had this kid from Iceland that, <laughs> named Christian who was an exchange student. Yeah. And that kid, like we hung out with him because he had long hair and we were the metal kids that went to our school and there was like a group of maybe five or six of us and we met him and he was like, oh, you need to listen to this music. And he would, he made a list of shit and he gave mm-hmm. me like a copy of the Death Spiritual Healing Tape and then like shit like that and then like uh, maybe Napalm Death, Destruction, a bunch of like sadists, grind course. He was really into that. Like, you know, and uh, we started playing music with him. Yeah. Because he actually, was the big thing that was great about him coming to America was that he could buy a guitar really cheap because the nice was super expensive and he bought a fucking offset Charvel Flying V and he was so excited that he was able to get it. And I still talk to this guy occasionally. Apparently, he lives in America now because he was like, I'll be back in a couple years for the World Cup. Yeah. But uh, he was a really great guy and I remember the big thing about it was he was from Iceland, was great in soccer and they were so mad because he refused to cut his hair. He's like, I'm not cutting my hair to play soccer. I'm here for like six months. I'm not yeah. cutting my hair. But you have to. Play. It was just some stupid fucking thing. It didn't make a difference. And so he's like, well, I'm not playing. So yeah. <laughs> And they were so fucking mad because it's Clover and it's a redneck town. You know, yeah. whatever. But uh, yeah, I was that one kid. Even the music I play with most people, it like I I just wanted to fucking blast and know a bass or whatever. Because I was pretty much just a drummer then. Mm-hmm. That's when I started first, I guess, first playing music. Okay. Was, well, let's let's back up for just a minute. Okay. When you were a kid, yeah. what was it about? When, when did you like just kind of discover that music was a thing that you were into? And what was it about music? What was one thing that grabbed you as a kid? Well, music, honestly, not become a thing for me. I would um, I probably imagine, I guess, when I moved. Like, I really got into music when I moved to Clover because, like, we moved, where my parents live to this day, is, like, it's kind of in the sticks. Mm-hmm. It's like you get across, they live near the battleground, Kingdom of Battleground, yeah. for those who do geography around here. Uh, and, like, I spent a lot of time there in the summer at first because we moved right after school, so I had a whole few months before I met anybody. Yeah. And I started getting to, like, radio metal. Okay. And I remember like um, there was a moment where like you know because that was the that was the hairband years like yeah, it was yeah. on all the stations and I'm like you know what I think I like metal plus my dad was a guy that when when I was younger my my dad was always like oldies music kind of guy yeah, like yeah. Magic ninety six and stuff like mm-hmm. that so we'd always listen to like that and I mean I thought that was really cool you know I was never really like a R and B kid like you know when music was like because I remember being in high school before because you know like you like me. You graduated probably before punk broke. You yeah, know, it well, wasn't a thing. It was if you played music and you played band stuff, you played metal because mm-hmm. you didn't. You listen to the, the radio. What the fuck? How do you play Paul Abdul songs? It's all fucking electronics and Kent synthesizers and keyboards yeah, yeah. or whatever. So I think that kind of pulled me that. But yeah, it was just just. Um, it was our senior year whenever like Nirvana mm-hmm. made it. And so, yeah, Nirvana like, it broke. Was, it was probably another year, year before. Everybody decided they wanted to start a punk band. But yeah. We were already doing the punk band thing by that time. At least me and Matt were. You yeah. Know, I was doing metal like, bands. Like I said, I was in a band called Arise and a couple other things. Because me and Russell, uh, who was in the Style Kings, which we'll, I guess, get to shortly. Yeah. Like, me and him were best friends in high school and my friend Shane. And we had this kid, Joe. And it was funny. There was about, honestly, 
five to six kids. I'll say kids because we were all like, you know, 15, 16, 17. And we just basically rotated to play. Like, we would get mad and then we'd form another band, but it would be four of the same six. Like, we just rotated out people. Because it was like me, a guy named Joe, my friend Shane, who I was actually in a Christian rock band, which is hilarious. We'll talk about that momentarily. (laughs) Um, That was in, and like, he's still a really good friend of mine to this day. But he played guitar, and um, we just rotated. I was just, I was one of, I was like the drummer kid in, 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 mm-hmm. in Clover. But at the time, no one had bands. So it wasn't like, you're in mega, you're in fucking huge demand. It wasn't that thing. Yeah. Yet because. It was like Kings Mountain. There, there, there yeah. were kids that played music, and there were probably kids we went to school with that had bands. But mm-hmm. you just, it wasn't a thing. Yeah, it no, like, like when we would do the talent. I remember the great thing about it being at Clover High School. The vice principal was a guy named Mr. Wright. Mm-hmm. And the thing about him is. He was really awesome to us because he was a musician. He played like, uh, like in kind of like a seventies rock style band. Mm-hmm. So he was really into the fact that we played music because every time there was a talent show or anything, we would show up and do something hilarious. Cause I remember the year after I graduate, you could come back in as a guest and a friend of mine, Steve Tiara was in a horrible car accident, but he was like the biggest Nirvana fan I knew. Like even before they were a band that broke, he, that was his band he loved. Mm-hmm. like he was super into them and like he had was in a super horrible accident and had to have surgery and they didn't think he was going to make it he just got he was in the hospital for a long time and uh, i remember we came in and did a show with him and it was like me and him and uh, i think russell ellis and a guy named rob with kodiak i don't know if you ever met him or not but he uh, name sounds familiar. did vocals and we just did like six nirvana songs mm-hmm. and because like steve is just he had had to, he had just fucking i mean he still has this day it hasn't changed he has a scar where they said they basically go and rebuild everything mm-hmm. him and mike ellis yeah. were in a car together and he was on the side of impact and it just fucked him and it was really rough and like we came back and did that and i remember like uh the year before we had done like come as you are or something like mm-hmm. as a, with somebody and then my band played original stuff because like i said i was in an actual original band yeah and uh that was it nobody played music and then like years later it's funny because like i come back to clover like five six years later and there's like eight or nine fucking bands there's a there's a place where they do shows like i come back with young tom fury and they're like we're playing clover i'm like what are you fucking talking about clover okay yeah. we're playing lauren building or whatever it's called uh the, it's right in the middle of downtown and there's all these bands like that are popping up out of like clover and there's some butcher shop they're doing shows and it's fucking real weird but but yeah man metal was my thing i got in the metal and then like i said for a hot minute and then i don't know it was like i was still in high school and i just remember like uh i went to see ozzy one of my favorite bands in high school was a band called prong yeah i thought they're fucking fan i still think they're good i listen to they're good i listen to them to this day i mean granted uh, their first three albums I really enjoyed, and then after that I really kind of because I got a little more electronica. Yeah. But that like "Beg to Differ," um, "Prove Prove You Wrong," maybe whatever mm-hmm. that album, maybe I think maybe even that cleansing album, and then uh, the Tommy Victor guy, whatever. I, they, they got way too more electronica and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And I remember seeing them all. They were coming to Clo- uh, not Clover, but Charlotte a ton, mm-hmm. and I'll get. But they opened for uh, Ozzy, and it was hilarious because people fucking hated them, and the only reason I went. Was to go see Prong open for them. I was like, man, like, oh, they're fucking playing tonight. We went to see Ozzy, and I think I might have even fucking left before Ozzy was done. Like, yeah. I was like, Ozzy was fine, but I wasn't. I respect him and like him more now than I did then. Mm-hmm. And also, it wasn't like I never saw Ozzy. I hate that <laughs> Ozzy's. This was Ozzy's. It was around the time I guess he did. Uh, was it crazy? Whatever the crazy, crazy bit. no rest, no rest for the wicked album, maybe yeah, or something. Yeah, that was a good. It's album. probably around that album, and but the time, like I said, by that point. 
I was into thrashing death, and he was just yeah. fucking way too light for yeah. me. And Prong was still thrashing enough because they have very. It, it's weird because they they if you listen, they have a, a, a lot of crossover elements, kind of like DRI does. Uh, so like I was really into them. I remember this being a band I was really into. But then like yeah, but I was totally like like Napalm Death and stuff. That was really kind of what got I got into that. But it's funny because like after all that, and then. I guess we'll get into the, the, we'll move it up to 94, 95. Is that when I guess we, we, yeah, I was going to say like, so that's so, around the time we started. Yeah. So what time I, the Pope's on that? What time? What we, year was we that? We started in, in 93. Okay. Um, Cause I was not a, affiliated with any, I didn't know you guys around that period. Yeah. Cause it was a few years. Like, like I said, I, I, I had that, that, so we, we knew each other in like middle school, uh, yeah. Junior high. And then a few years later, I see you with that McDonald's, mm-hmm. that rare, rare, occurrence and then we yeah. end up like it shows together later on yeah. it's like holy shit i know this dude but uh what was the transition to punk rock like for you was it like pretty much everybody else metallica had some fucking misfit shirts on and, shit, um, and you were like you know I, I honestly for me it was um slayer did a lot of guys i was yeah, in a thrashier yeah. punk rock i don't know what it was it was weird man i was working at mcdonald's and for some reason i started listening to a lot more punk rock stuff at the same time and one of my all-time favorite bands is uh, Screeching Weasel, mm-hmm. uh, which you, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like uh, as much as I don't like Ben Weasel, I fucking love that band. Like yeah. I just, I'm just very much over him. Uh, just say you're sorry sometimes, buddy. You'll yeah. be fine. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I just, it's his, the end of it. He's, he's, it's sad to say that man is 50 years old. It's too fucking punk rock. It's just, it's too much. Yeah, yeah. And because it's a band I love dearly. Like I am I was until recently, like I was in a, like what I consider a fucking great tribute band. Like mm-hmm. the, like Eric got to see us and like, I thought we were fucking great. Supermarket fantasy. Yes. Yeah, Supermarket fantasy. Band. Yeah. We were, man, we, our arsenal of songs. Cause I remember we got asked to play the Tremont and they're like, you got to play 45 minutes. Like Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> and we were learned like 20 something songs. We, we, we did a uh, screeching weasel for one of the Halloween shows at Milestone yeah. a couple of years ago. And we did four songs that yeah. fucking killed me. I can't, I don't see how you played for 45. We minutes. did 20, but well, we opened that thing and we fucking, we bought like 20 songs. Cause Eric and Becky came. I think they had just started releasing seen each other again yeah. or something then and he was like man i've seen screechy wheel you guys are fucking better than they were and i was like fuck <laughs> yeah and like, it was great and like but yeah man we, we had our arsenal was we it was deep but we covered like across the fucking board it was mm. it was like it was just a lot of fun we just kind of did it as a we uh the reason how that came about is i did this uh fuck, i'm skipping around i was in this band <laughs> called the map says we're fucked right. <laughs> Van that I wrote everything for, but I play drums in. It's one of my favorite bands I've ever done. It's I, I love it. It's 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 fucking sick. I just uh, I'm so proud that our like I said, and that album was completely 100 written. I was kind of in, in a super depressed mode. Like I had moved back to my parents for a moment, and I remember sitting there, and I was Dawson's Creek was in syndication on TBS. And I was watching it every day. I love this fucking show. I didn't watch it when it came on. I watched it after the fact. Yeah. And I was watching the show and I was set there and I would play because I think I had quit Young Tom Fury and Walsh. I'm like, that had the past or whatever. 
uh, and I started this band with with the map, and uh, I would sit there with the guitar watching Dawson's Creek. During the commercials, I would fucking write songs, and and like the first album, it was a little different. It was written by a different group of people. Like it was still the same lineup, but I didn't write that. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, I've got some songs, and when I played them, the sound completely changed. It went from being like more noisy hardcore mid-tempo stuff to everything was fucking blast beats and bevel bass and just fucking chaos like yeah. it's fucking nuts but yeah but it's one of my favorite things to this day like i i, I i'm like one of, and i think it still holds up this so i'm like shit like i'm very much like God, i can't believe we recorded this in fucking 2004 anyway so yeah <laughs> 10 years later from what we're talking about but uh, what was I on before we jumped to that? Supermarket Fantasy. Supermarket Fantasy. Yeah, that came out of a thing because we could not do a show. Something had happened and we didn't, the singer couldn't show up. So me and Ryan, the guy playing bass at the time, and Harry were like, we should just fucking play Screeching Weasel. Yeah. So we did a whole set of Screeching Weasel. We we, we called ourselves the Maps, says we're Screeching Weasel, and we did a whole fucking <laughs> set. Uh, and uh, yeah, and it was just like, dude, we should do this. And I had a friend, Stuart, who was this, uh, he was in the band called, um, the vents and fucking great voice and like plays the full on weasel right guitar. Like he fucking love, he's, he's really good friends with uh jughead. He runs his fan site and everything. Like he's really tight with them. Like the vents recorded with master Gino and shit at the Sonic Iguana. Like he's into that, you know? And, and we're like, you should come fucking do some stuff. We played a little bit. And then like, he's like, I know every squishy weasel song. And we're like, we well, should come play with us. We'll, we'll try it. So me, Walter, Harry and him, like we got to get to start playing. We're like, dude, we should do some shows. And we just started doing shows. Like we did like a new year's Eve show. And we did some shows like in Charles, just randomly. We'd be like, Hey, you should come play. And we did a reunion a couple years ago. It's the first time back in a while. We hadn't played in a really long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that's a kind of a hard band to get together. Cause, um, the funny thing is, is like those people like Harry, my current bandmate, I guess we're not really doing anything is a IT guy for BMW. He builds, he puts the, the fucking apps into the shit for your car. Okay. Like that's what he does. <laughs> yeah. And then Walter is a, uh, investigator for the court system. Like he goes, if some shit goes down, he goes and gets all the shit together for the court cases. He used to be the lead detective for Lawrence County. Like Walter's the kind of guy you don't want to get pissed because he, he's, he knows how to get rid of you and how to cover it up. He <laughs> investigates it. Like Walter's the best person to be around. Cause he has so many great stories. Like we were on tour through West Virginia. And he's like, fucking meth lab and he'd point at these things he's like it's 80 degrees outside and there's smoke coming out of that chimney he's like it's meth lab and he's like oh i don't know how to make math I had to learn how to make it in class and all this shit like he's just a fucking dude of just great stories and like you call him on the phone what are you doing oh uh leading the swat team in this lady was starting to shoot me and every time she'd vomit uh we finally decided to, to, to breach so he would go in and like he's just stories man it's crazy but yeah. um anyway and then like Stu jones He's a uh, South Carolina uh, South Carolina House of Representatives guy. He was city councilor for Lawrence County, and he runs an IT company. So it's like, it's not the stereotypical punk rock kids you would think. Like, yeah. oh yeah, there's a you know. So I don't know. So he's a busy guy, and then me, <laughs> I work service tech for a fucking music company, and I'm I'm probably the the odd man out. I don't have some insanely crazy ass job or yeah. whatever, but <laughs> like you know, I drive all over fucking three states fixing jukeboxes and cranes and pool tables okay. and shit. But yeah, but like that's how that came about. But anyway, where were we? I, I think we were talking about like how you got to from metal to punk rock. Yeah, Screeching Weasel, and then so uh, Screeching Weasel was the first band you discovered. Is that no? I mean, it was just one of those things where like it was funny. Like when I worked at the McDonald's, 
I uh, figured out how to put CD players through our sound system. Mm-hmm. And so at night, we would just do that. And like, do you remember Joey Blue Gas? Yeah. And Mike Ellis? Yeah. Like all just kids. Oh, yeah, yeah. We would always work and then they would have Screeching Weasel CDs and I would have stuff. Okay. We would just start playing stuff or whatever. So like I said, I'm probably 16, 17 at this time. Like I said, it was just, like I said, I was pretty much, it's weird because I was very much grindcore and I got into more aggressive hardcore and then like Screech Weasel and we played just random, we, we all played whatever. Yeah. And like, uh, I was like, oh yeah, cool. This is something, because it kind of feel like music for me has just made a circle to where the point where it's like what I like is all circled around where I just listen to everything now. Yeah. Like that's just what it is. It's just, and I, but yeah, Screech Weasel was just, I remember just, we used to play Anthem for a New Tomorrow and a bunch of those CDs. See, it just came out. Yeah. And one of the managers we had fucking we get so irate because she's like this shit's annoying it's trash and then we play whatever and then I throw in like oh really and I throw in a fucking like death cassette or something or whatever and yeah I just figure out how to pick our intercom system and could run an AV cable and like yeah. oh yeah we can totally play this through all the speakers in the fucking store so we would be out in the bathrooms or whatever and you would hear like because we didn't use it for anything I don't even know what was in there I just figured out how to make it happen like yeah. I learned how to turn the music down so we could put our own stuff on there but uh, that was just kind of my bridge and then uh, after that, I remember wanting to do a band, and I wanted. You'd already to... kind of played, like you said in high school, like you. Yeah, in high school we played bands, in... but it was it? It wasn't anything like serious or. Well, no, like how, in high. How did you start playing drums? Well, in high really? school, what it was is, I think we just needed someone to play drums, and I was really interested in it. I did not have a kit. I actually learned how to play from like playing along with stuff rhythmically just mm-hmm. on shit. Like I actually set up like a fake drum set, almost like a practice kit out yeah. of stuff. And then my dad randomly found a kit at somebody's house that he, my dad's like a service and heat and air tech. Okay. And he was like, oh, I found this lady who's got an old kit. And she said I could have it if I could pick it up. I'm like, okay. So he picked it up and I started playing. And then my other friends were like, we should start playing too. So people just kind of picked their fucking instruments. And then I yeah. somehow got to become a drummer. And I had this old Rogers kit that I had to figure out how to get together and sound decent and had it for a while. And that's what I would play. And then as you go, I wound up getting some CB700 kit. I thought it was way cooler because it was black yeah. and it was probably shitty. And the Rogers kit I had was way, actually, way nicer in, in retrospect. Because <laughs> I remember peeling it and painting it black and it had like some mother of pearl inlay. And it's probably a really old, awesome vintage kit that I oh, fucked yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I totally fucked it up because I didn't know any better. And I got. Oh, like if, a full... I, if I had it now, I'd probably still fuck it up. I'd, yeah. I'm a bad about like, oh, let's put some stickers on that. Oh yeah, no, I had that, and then like I'd went and fixed because it was, it was an older kit, and like it didn't have a front head. And but I started playing, and we all started trying to play music. And like my friend Shane was taking lessons, and Russell wanted to play bass. Mm-hmm. And then I started playing drums because like, there was really nobody else. And uh, yeah, my room at my mom's house was like a little small room. And I remember like for a while, I had taken my bed out so I'd have room for a drum kit because I just. I was like, oh, fuck it. I'll sleep on a cot or something. And, um, but I would just play. And then like, I love playing. And I, I took to it easily. Like, re- like I remember going to this kid and I can't remember his name. He was a drummer at, at when I went to Clover. And I went to his house and I played his kit. And I was like, oh, this is not bad. Like, I had rhythm. I could, I knew what the fuck was going on. Yeah. Like, I didn't, it wasn't a mess. Yeah. Uh, cause I remember him making fun of me being like, oh, you're speeding up and slowing down. And I'm like, okay. I just was glad that I was like, okay, this is not bad. And, uh, yeah, we just started playing in my friend Shane's, like he had a farm and we would just go out there like every Saturday, we would all get out there with our shit and just make noise. 
kid from Iceland started showing up, and mm-hmm. I had a friend named Brian who was in a band a little less than more. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Brian Mole. He was the guy that he was a little older than us and had a job. Like he worked like a full time job and went to high school. Mm-hmm. And, like, he just had endless fucking income. So he just bought equipment. So he would come over and bring a ton of shit. And I remember that's where I got to play, like, a better kid. Yeah. But uh, he couldn't play drums. And he had a great kid. And I, like, wound up buying it from him. And then um, I played in a band called Arise, which was this... I still have a cassette of at home somewhere. We practiced in, like, a shed and make crap, practiced some songs. And it was just pretty much just metal. Metal. There's a videotape of uh, this thing called Eye the Eagle that... Uh, Slade Bear from the Mustangs, and uh, he's in okay. he was in Motel Glory as an amigo yeah. now, and Slade Baird that were in the Mustangs, and not Slade Baird, um, Brett Campbell. They're in a band called the Mustangs. I'm sure yeah, I remember them. They were around for like a little bit. Of I time. recently found I, I think one of them posted all that music. I, yeah, I yeah. downloaded it all. Well, I have the two seven inches. I don't know if they had any of but I have the two seven inches because Greg Ellis played with them on that. He mm-hmm. was a recording studio guy for them. It might have been Greg's the one that might have yeah. posted. Well, I went to high school with those guys. Yeah, those. Guys did a video program for Clover called I the Eagle. Okay. And we actually went and, rec- and played. One of the songs we played, we did uh, Talks to Angels by the uh, Counting, I mean, uh, Black, uh, Black Crows. Crows. I was about to I say Counting Crows. Crows, too. Uh, <laughs> Black Crows. And then we did an original song that the Joe guy had written. And it was very much the same fucking kind of song. Yeah, it was like, yeah. he was really into blues and stuff. And like I said, we played a couple talent shows. And we did, I remember we got asked to do a graduation party thing at this house. And we went to play. And, um... It was hilarious because the dude straight turned us off to turn on Skinner because they did not like what we were doing because <laughs> we were just playing our original music and it wasn't super great by any means. I mean, it was just, we were young, really getting to learn how to play, but we could write songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we played like the Cloverfest downtown thing one time and okay. uh, like that happened. And then that was, and then the funny thing happened after that because the person I'm now would never fucking done this, but like my friend Shane, it was also wound up playing in this band called Passage. Passage was a straight-up Christian band. They played in a church or whatever, and they needed a bass player. Mm -hmm. And I have a video of me associating with them, but I don't have anything to be playing with them. But they were a band. It was a bunch of older guys that played, like, Petra-style fucking screamy Christian metal. And my friend Shane, who was super involved in church stuff or whatever. And at the time, I was like, oh, church is cool, whatever. And, like, (laughs) but they needed a bass player, and... And he's like, you play guitar, right? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I kind of play guitar. And she's like, we need a bass player. And the great thing about that band, and I will straight up front street this, that is the reason I had to play fucking guitar at all. Yeah. Because I went to play with those dudes, and they would be like, it's C, D, G, and whatever. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't be like, you got to play here and then here. They just would, they didn't do that shit. They were yeah. like, it's these notes. Yeah. And I played bass with them, and like, my friend Shane was a really great friend of mine, and we worked really well together. We were a lot heavier because we were in the metal and so it made yourself a little heavier. And I have, I have like one cassette that we, that with them that we had recorded or they had recorded. Like I said, I wasn't on it. But the kid they had was having problems getting shows. His mom was, he was a younger guy. And he's like, I just can't do this. I have school. So I wound up <laughs> taking his place. And um, I did that for a while till luckily they broke up because I really was uncomfortable with it. Yeah. Like, because at the time, like, I don't know, like th- th- now I'm, I am I am a verified, not even atheist. I'm anti-theist. I am very anti-religion all the way across the fucking board. <laughs> yeah. I think it is a horrible thing. You know, whatever. Uh, yeah, I put it up. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> it's funny that I did that and stuff, and it's just like, oh. Because it's always the same thing. Dave, who was a great guy, was like, 
recovering, used to be really into drugs, and yeah, they found yeah, God, yeah. and he played good music, because he used to play music when he was a fucking drunk all the time, mm. and fucking smoking weed and whatever, and the other dudes are just, you know, like, we church, play music, so, uh, but did that, and then after that, um, I had kind of stopped playing music, because my friend Russell had moved to St. Louis, mm-hmm. I was still here. I really wasn't doing music at all. Who's that? Russell Ellis? Russell Ellis. Yeah. Head moved to St. Louis. I wasn't moving there for a little bit and then coming back. And then he was engaged and moved back here. And then I remember us being like, we need to start a fucking band. I was like, we need to do a band. I was going to do a punk rock band. I was like, I was like fuck it. I'm going to play guitar. I've got songs. So I started writing music. First time yeah. I really ventured into writing music. And this is about the time, I guess, we re-entered each other's lives. Yeah. Pretty much. There was the original lineup where it was me, him, and a guy named Mike Mole. And the very first cassette, which Matt Wilburn, I know, has because he's posted about it and stuff and put it up on Discogs. Yeah. Uh, we recorded in my house on a Tascam 4 track. I played guitar, vocals, and drums. Mm-hmm. Recorded. Russell's working third shift at some paper company or whatever. He would show up at my house every morning. I would get off work because I was working third shift at Toys R Us. I just started maybe the first year or so that I started there. So this is probably around 94, 95. Yeah. Um, so... He would show up, we would record, and we tracked this fucking uh, EP. Uh, it doesn't even have a name. And that was what we did. And we got this guy, Mike, who was Brian Moore's younger brother, to play with us. And that lasted for a little while. We started playing the milestone, doing stuff. And uh, it, it just wasn't very good. I mean, he was fine. Um, but it kind of fell apart. Mm-hmm. Like, he... I, I remember, like, we broke up or something randomly one day. Because we would get play shows at the milestone. And like, a bunch of people would come out there. But they, they started doing stuff where they throw food. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know why this started. But I remember like we had a show and it was being real weird because he was getting pissed because they were throwing shit at him. And he threw the stool at somebody and was like, <laughs> fucking quit and quit. And that was it. We, we were done. Like He was like, it's over. And then I remember coming to a show. I feel like I may have come out to a show and I think I was at... A War Dance Orange show. I think Richard Bailey had done a Food Not Bomb show. And I remember, all I remember who else played. Yeah. But I didn't remember War Dance Orange because War Dance Orange was very quintessential. Uh, quintessential is the word. Uh, it was very important in the Style King's life. It was real weird. There was, yeah. there was this weird revolving band that we had a tendency to play. Because we played a show with them under the first lineup and it was shit. Mm-hmm. But they were great. And I remember, like, they played again or something. And I think I had run into you. Because I had been reintroduced to you guys as a band because of Joey Watson, or a.k.a. Joey Blue Gas. Yep. I guess he was really into you guys and was coming to see you guys play as the Krusties, maybe, or whatever. And I remember I'd run into Eric, and he introduced me to Eric. Yeah. And Eric was a total fucking prick. <laughs> and because uh, I remember being like, that guy sucks. Yeah. And like, it's just a random off meeting, probably a year before or something. And, um, yeah, I don't know. You, I think it was one of the series you guys played, and he was like, and he was super into you guys. This is around the time, I guess, Guppy Love was a band, probably yeah, at the time yeah. also. It was around this time frame to really frame it up for you. Yeah, oh, yeah. And uh, because he was always talked about, like, I don't know, forming a band, and, I mean, he finally did, but he kept talking about he was going to do a band called Blue Gas. I don't think it ever happened. But I'd run into, because I went to a show with him, and then run into Eric and we were talking and like, you know, cause like, yeah, I think I know who you are. Cause you know, like because of you guys and I knew who you guys were, like you, especially and, and all that. And he was just, let's say he's just a dick. I mean, I, yeah. we talked about it later, but, uh, <laughs> uh, Andrew, you know, Andrew. Yeah. yeah.
I was I was kind of wondering. I can't really remember exactly how that all came. Well, about. he played that crusty show, so I'd seen him. Yeah, and I, I knew who he yeah, was. Yeah. And then I guess he had left. You guys had re kind of reignited up with with Greg. Yeah, something happened. I don't exactly remember why my brother left. Why? Yeah. But we got Greg to come on because yeah. he's, he's my friend from high, from high school. Mm-hmm. We we played in Style and Johnny Appleseed together. Yeah. It was like come play with us. You know? Yeah. Because I think at that point. SJ had broken up and yeah, because that was a Greensboro really band or something. Were you up in that area then? No, no, it was always around here. Was it? Yeah, but I, I lived I, in uh, Carboro for a little bit. Okay, I just um, assumed that that band happened in that area. No, it was it was that was always around here. Uh, okay, but yeah, and then Greg came joined us. We changed the name from Krusty to the Accidents, and yeah. and then Andrew was freed up. I don't remember if Andrew left. Before like start playing with you guys before? No. Why he stopped playing with us? I don't remember. No, he had already that. quit your band because I was talking to you and you were like, Hey, when are you do a band? I'm like, yeah, I was doing this band called the style Kings. I was like, we don't have a drummer right now. And you're like, my brother's looking for a new band to play. I was like, really? Like, yeah. I was like, Oh dude, it'd be cool. I'll talk to him later or whatever. But he was at the show yeah. and he was like, Hey man, uh, Mike says you guys, and I'm like, I didn't know him. And I'm like, uh, maybe we had rented a space up on South Boulevard. Yeah. Or something the storage, up there. The storage yeah. Buildings. One of those random ass storage building yeah. things or whatever. But he was very adamant about coming to play with us. And I'm like, okay. So we're like, fuck it. Come meet us. And he met us up there and, uh, it works great. He came in and he, like, he really typed the songs up. We were able to play way, uh, faster, mm-hmm. way tighter. Our songwriting also gotten better. But he was just a much better drummer, and his attitude was good. I think he had just really gotten his life kind of really straightened out a lot, too, yeah, and everything. Yeah. And we played, because that was a time when we really took to playing, like, we didn't do Charlotte. The thing about my bands, it's always funny. People think that a lot of the bands I do are like either not around or something's weird about because we don't play, or like, we're kind of like, we'll play here occasionally, but we're constantly playing out of town. Mm-hmm. Because of that era, we were doing, like, I remember we had friend, made friends with the Ramens and the Frantics, and we were doing a lot of shows in, like, Green. Like, you guys played the show with us at Ground Zero. Yeah, yeah. That crazy show with, like, a bunch of fucking crazy bands. Like, we played that, like, a Sunday matinee show. Because I remember Eric being like, you can't drink on a Sunday? Yeah. And it was, like, being hilarious. <laughs> and you guys were down there. Because I still have pictures from that fucking show oh, at wow. home in a, a, a album from that day. Uh, but I remember, like, doing that. And then we had done a bunch of those shows in Parkersburg, West Virginia. And because uh, we played with Zayo, and that's been really hilarious because that was before Zayo became like the shit. They were still a local band, they had just signed the Tooth and Nail. Like, we just started playing and just doing a lot more stuff. We recorded a couple EPs with Dwayne Haight in this exact fucking room, yeah. Uh, which I still have those, I haven't done anything with them. I just digitized the uh, I just, I just got all the tracks in the final full length we did. We never put we the the more than casually seven inch we put out, yeah. We used four songs from it for that, but I have the full whatever 11 or 12 songs we recorded i have okay. all of it yeah. i think i'm gonna go ahead and drop it soon i yeah. just haven't i, I kind of fucked around with the artwork a little bit or whatever i was gonna write up a little bit i'm just not gonna put a lot into it like i said it's just um can we just talk about hero support for a second before we get forward yeah, yeah. all right so i do this hero support records label okay and the, the idea behind it is most of the bands i'm on that i've been in starting around i guess around i was in a band called lewis turnout which we'll get to later i guess or whatever yeah. we're on a, a label out of durham called 
Death False Hope. Okay. Lewis turned out like they wanted to put that EP out. They were a digital label. They were like the biggest digital only label for the fucking ever. Like mixtapes was on there, direct hit come off of there. Like there's a lot of really great bands that are huge now. And it was Scotty Sandwich's label at the time. Like okay, he helped yeah. run it, him and Jonathan Minor. So we put out the Lewis Turnout stuff on there. And then everything after that, like when I was on the Downtrotters, we put our our stuff out on there. I released an old Young Tom Fury EP that was um I recorded for another reason, and I'll get to that in a minute. But we wanted to release it on there because we didn't use it. And then it just became like, that was the home of stuff. That was yeah. where all my bands was just like, hey, I'm in a new band. You know, because once you're on a label, you can usually kind of stay on it. Yeah. And so it, it was cool. We got traction and stuff like that. Well, what happened is that label folded because we just kind of quit dealing with it. Mixtapes went on to be on their labels, direct hits, fat records, Red Scare, whatever. And then, you know, and, and so on. And what happened is, like, all this shit kind of went in the limbo. And I'm like, what the fuck? This is stupid. I'm going to go ahead and start a label to put that stuff on because I don't want it to go, why should I let it disappear into, you know, because there's so much yeah, shit. Like, yeah. you you can't find, like, you'd be like, oh, remember that band Wicked Witch from Charlotte? Like, 19 <laughs> fucking, you know, 93, that thri- metal, that, that band that was so fucking good? Yeah. Yeah, you, there's nothing out there. You can't find You it. just, the memories are there. You remember them being great. Were they great? I remember them being awesome. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that, you know, and it's just like, all right, man, I want to. So I was like, fuck it, I'll do with kind of a, kind of a, like an anthology label. So it was more just to get stuff out there. So it just wouldn't disappear. Yeah. And yeah. then I started archiving other things that I had done. Um, That's why I'm getting ready to do a Gabba Gabba Hus. Yeah, so. and things that I don't. And, and, like, I'm working with some bands that I'm not involved in because I really don't fucking like putting things out. I mean, I want to put other stuff out. Mm-hmm. But working with other bands, I mean, it's 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 easy to put out a shit, that a release that I have. But it's yeah. like like the Washroom stuff. I was like, hey, man, I need do you. I cannot release this, you know, I was like, well, and I tell her, I'm like, I'll put it out for a minimal cost, you know, just help cover costs and I'll get it put up. And if you want a physical media thing, if it's something that I think if a band's still current or I think it'll sell, I'll make it like young time fury, still relevant. People like that stuff. Yeah. Uh, the Peter Mayhew stuff, uh, Mount Pacific are fucked. Like I make those C's because people want it. The Canyoneers people are like, Oh man, can you please put that out? Like the Canyoneers one of the first things about that I was not, uh, no Peter Mayhew. I was not in. First thing I ever released was the Cherry Ice Because yeah. we recorded it, the band basically broke up, and I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna release this," and I put it out. It was the first record, the fish, first official Hero Sport Records label release, and um, and then I went ahead and was like, "I'm putting this map stuff out because I wanted to put try to get still on Spotify see if it'd work," and so I started that up, and like uh, I'm in the works of getting the band chunks. Yeah. You've played with them, I yeah, know. We've played with them. They just recorded a new EP with uh, Joe Queer. Okay. So they have a new five song. And I'm doing a double I'm not say double. It's basically on the same lines of the of the two things at once descendants EP that they have. I'm doing I'm really re releasing their original EP that they put out on a CD years ago. Yeah. And this new release as a, a one cassette release. Okay. We're working on getting yeah. it out. Trying to get it done before their next show. The thing is you have to get the band to give you the color of the tape they want and some <laughs> yeah. artwork. So I'm, it's kind of in their hands. I'm yeah. like, I'm ready to go. Let me know. I just need the tracks. You know, if you're going to sequence any samples, because they're really big in the sample stuff and whatever. I'm like, just let me know. I need to know what I'm doing because I got to order 
I got to order tapes to length and I got to exactly, do all that yeah, shit. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, but I just need artwork. And I get in the specifications of my label, like, this is your card, this is your stuff, Do you, let me know. Once you get the artwork, and give it to me, man, I'll get them made. I don't care. So, And I'm also working on, once everything gets back up, the band Hearts on Fire, mm-hmm. I'm doing a double cassette for their first two EPs. Uh, and then if they decide to do a new EP, me and Taylor had talked about releasing that yeah. uh, in a cassette. Because I honestly think as a label, you can make CDs, but fuck it. Nobody cares. If you're not going to put a record or a cassette out... Because I think people that really want to have physical media, that's the only few formats you care about. Yeah. And um, cassettes can make you money as a label to keep going because they're reasonably priced to make. Mm-hmm. And they're also cheap enough to sell where people aren't spending a ton. And they're just kind of cool. Yeah. That's, because, what, that's like, what I say. Like, you know, it, it is hard to sell CDs these days. And I'll probably still make some CDs. Mm-hmm. Um, because I always want to have some physical mm-hmm. media to back up. Whatever oh, yeah. If you're not. Yeah. You want to have something. I mean, you know, it's like. I would like to, I would love to put everything I have on a CD format. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is like, the good thing about me is I have the, the company that I press everything with. Like, I do the raw discs and then I manufacture the covers and I do everything yeah, basically yeah. assembly line style. So it keeps from having like, oh, dude, can I get 100 CDs made? I could kind of run the way it is, you know, and it stays fairly cheap. Yeah. Uh, except the same way I kind of, uh, those I do about, t- you know, I, I promise a 25 run. And we'll go from there and see what happens. Yeah. Like when the new chunks thing comes out, I'm like, we're gonna do 25, you know. But I need people to kind of work as like, you know, I'm putting a lot of money into doing this. You're not gonna make any money, and I'm not gonna make any money. It's not like I'm taking your music and I'm gonna make a shit ton of money off of your band. It's just not gonna happen that way. Because yeah. I'm gonna make 25 cassettes and give them to you. I might keep 10 for people to off the band camp later on, but you can sell them, keep it near yours. I'm not, I'm not here to take your fucking music. Yeah, I'm not. You know, I mean, there's no money in it. But the thing is, I just need you to meet me halfway. But like, I don't need you like making a band camp, giving all your shit free, and trying to sell your CD for ten bucks or your digital fucking version for ten bucks. It's like, dude, your cassette, sell your cassette five. Let me put it on the label, and then you know, if you change your mind later on, you know, after a year or so, then we'll see whatever. Plus, I, I'll spot your fees for Spotify, which yeah. is a fucking insane cost. People never think about mm-hmm. the fact that I'm like, I'm gonna spend sixty to seventy, possibly eighty bucks, depending on how long your stuff is and how long I want to put it up for. People don't think about it. I guess people think Spotify's free. Yeah. People are like, oh, you put it on Spotify? I wasn't going to. It's on Bandcamp. You can you can get it there. Yeah. For, you know, two dollars or whatever and stream it there once yeah. you do that. Like I anyway, that's fucking another that's a whole fucking another podcast. But but yeah, that's your sport. I mean, like I said, I'm just trying to get some of this stuff out. It was the home for the podcast that I do originally, mm-hmm. but now I've moved it on to other formats and everything and um so but yeah, man, I just really did say it was an archival uh, archival pot, uh, label. And then bands that I like or bands that I feel like are going to, you know, just try to get some stuff out there. Plus, I, I kind of miss the days of, of, of buying bands via label. Yeah. Like Lookout Records, perfect example. It's just like, man, this band's a Lookout. They're probably pretty good. Not always, but, you know, nine times out of ten, you're going to like what's on there. Yeah. Fat records, you kind of know what you're dealing with. And I kind of miss that. I feel like it's kind of went away. Yeah, it really has. And it, it really Even sucks. the labels that exist today, honestly, they're they're kind of so all over the place. Yeah. That, that you can't really go by just the label anymore. Yeah. Um, but it's still nice that, that there are people out there doing labels. Yeah. You know, Hero Support, River Monster Records in yeah. Columbia. Um, well, Mystery School Records just folded, but um, yeah. they, may, they may be back someday. Yeah. But, you know, I'll do some Gabba Gabba Hunt stuff, kind of like Hero Support. I want to put out some archival stuff. Yeah. 
and I'm going to help out some of my friends put out some stuff. They yeah. will mostly do cassettes, probably. Well, see, the thing is also is like if you ever want to do something that you think's a little much, let me know, man. I'm definitely like I think a lot of the stuff like labels. The best thing that's happening right now is like there's a couple labels like Middleman Records out of Indiana and Zomega mm-hmm. Beach out of Canada and Larry Records out of New York, I think, and these labels. And they're doing a bunch of four-way releases and stuff to get bands, like, records and stuff out. Yeah. Or even it's just to lay their cassette or whatever. But, uh, I mean, it's just, like, pull together to get stuff out. And I think, if it's just a band that's, that's a legit working band, I don't really want to put a ton of money into a band that's, here you go, <laughs> you're not yeah. playing or whatever, you know. But, yeah, if there's anything like that, man, it'd be great. I'd love to do, like, you know, we're going to press a seven, see if we can get the funds together to actually press a seven for something. Yeah. yeah even if it's just a fucking cop. Eventually, I want to do that. That's that's, yeah. that's that's one of my goals. But, you know, I just know that cassettes are something I can yeah, afford yeah. to do. I can afford to do CDs, too, but I just cassettes will probably sell yeah. a little better. Just, I mean, especially, I always say you, people will pick one up on a merch table and go, oh, cassette, I haven't seen one of these in years. Yeah. How much is this? Five bucks. You get a digital download with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, here's $5. And they'll yeah. take it home and they'll put it in a drawer somewhere. Yeah, yeah. they'll put it in there for the little, yeah. But yeah. they're going to do the same thing with the CD. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not going to listen to it. They might go and listen to it on Spotify, you know, because yeah. that's, that's where it's at. Or Bandcamp, which I, I, I'm a big proponent of Bandcamp. I, I'm, I'm always like Bandcamp, 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 support. Yeah. Support your favorite bands on Bandcamp. So, you know, Spotify is there because it's it's convenient and yeah. puts it out there for everybody. But you're not really supporting. I mean, we do want you to, to play our music. Yeah. I want you to play it on Spotify all day long. Yeah. But if you really want to support me, go to, go to Bandcamp. Yeah, or, and it's dumb that the, the, the thing with Spotify is like, if you want to help people on that also, it's like, it's it's dumb that it put put people on playlists. It yeah. helps. It's so weird that people don't think about this. Like make a playlist and then share that around. Like that helps or whatever. It, mm-hmm. It's kind of it's kind of weird that way. And, and I say that all the time, but I just don't think people even yeah. they don't they don't listen. They don't care. That maybe, maybe they're doing it. I don't know. But it's yeah. just like I think people hear it and go, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but it really does. It helps. And and I don't know how many people. I, I mean, how many times I've said this. Yeah. And how many people I've talked to that say the same thing. Yes. Put us on playlists. Share those playlists. Yeah. Um, do something with it. Don't yeah. just don't just go listen to it and go. Okay, that's neat. Follow it. You know, click click on the follow button. <laughs> you know, what I would rather someone do for okay. If you're gonna play my band on Spotify, I would rather you write me like, man, I really like you. Yeah. Uh, give me a download code, mm-hmm. and I'll be like, I will if you have your app. Get the Bandcamp app because when I give you the download code, it's gonna go in there. And then if you're friends with someone and they look at your shit, they'll see my band. Oh, oh, I like exactly, this person. Yeah, yeah. Especially people that are in common. I was like, help me out, help you. I was like, I'll give you this shit for free. I don't care. I just want you to have it. But the band camp stuff definitely, like, it's it's so crucial to me. I don't I think people want to, and, and I don't know people why they don't want to use the band. I'm, granted, okay, I'm sorry you can't mix and shuffle and make all this stuff or whatever. And I'm hoping band camp eventually gets to the point where you can kind of mix and shuffle some yeah. of your stuff up. But I'm just like, I also get mad when people give shit away, like, for free, like, oh, just free download. I'm like, dude, at least make it where I can give you a dollar so it'll go into my app. Well, see, I, and, and I've, I've done a lot of stuff that way, like a, like the old SJA stuff. Uh-huh. A lot of it I've put in there, like, I won't let you put it, even give us any money. Yeah. But I realize that that's a downfall for it is that you can't put it in that I app just put a name way. your price. Yeah. That way somebody wants to put at least a dollar. Because it'll say, if you pay at least a dollar, this will go into your app. And I'm like, cool. Because I did that stuff with... um when the pink collar jobs discography got released, mm-hmm. yeah. like I want to buy, even that was like, I don't know. I'm real weird I, about I digital yeah. shit being like seven and $8 and $10 for digital stuff. I'm like, okay, I don't know. Uh, that's just a lot to be like, I don't know for digital, like do two, $3 all day fucking long. But mm-hmm. 
I don't know, man. You get like where I'm spending as much as I would on physical media or whatever. Like, I don't know. That's that's just me. I, I would. I think everyone should uh, at least help. One book shows and run a, run a space. Yeah. And if you can run a label or have any help helping someone run a label, shit, your opinions change real fast about stuff. Yeah. Like it's a whole different fucking kind of market. Order. But anyway, fucking here support whatever. Uh, <laughs> but yes, I do that label. And yeah, check it out. It's here support Yeah. Like I said, it just at least go stream the shit. I mean, I think I got it set for like you can stream shit twenty times before it says, "Hey, maybe you should buy this or whatever." But uh, I have about fifteen releases on there now, give or take, maybe something. Um, a lot of discographies of bands that have come and gone. The Peter Mayhew stuff, which is an old chaotic grindcore band from uh, Greenwood, South Carolina, that my bandmates used to do uh, years ago in the map. Uh, Cherry Ices, uh, full length on there. All my stuff. My current band, Seriously Dead's on there. Uh, all the Young Talk Theory stuff, whatever. Anyway, so there's about five or six things that I'm not involved in directly. Kings, yeah, I think we were right about there. <laughs> yeah, so that I know you guys toured quite a bit. We 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 played quite a few shows together here. Yeah, like locally, it was uh-huh. like for a while. The accidents and the Style Kings were almost like a package deal. Yeah, because it, there it, was that. That was the moment where um, the uh, what fuck was it called? The AGP had the AGP, taken over yeah. the milestone. Under the giant posse. Yeah. Yes, like they had. Which we much... were, we were never really a part of that, no. but we were like friends with all those people. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. like you know we were we we thought it was kind of. I don't know. We weren't even really that much older than them. I think back on it, I it go. It feels like I, that I, way. I was like, man, it feels like we were so much older than them, but really, we were only like four or five years older than those no, kids. No, we were probably 24, 25. Well, we were yeah, 23, 24, and some of those kids yeah. were 16, 17, 18. Yeah. Thing, so, I always think that I was so much older than, and I think back, I'm like, oh, the Style Kings were probably 94 to 96, if that. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I lead to math. I'm like, okay, I was 79. Like, fuck, dude. I was like 20, 21. Because I watched yeah, that, yeah. that that fucking documentary, the Boone documentary, and I'm yeah. just like, Jesus Christ, man, I'm probably 23, 24 on that. That's crazy to me. Like, yeah, I That was 96, so that was 22. That was 22. Yeah, I was 20, 74. yeah okay, 22. Yeah, because I'm born 74 yeah, in September. Yeah. It's weird because you think back and you think, oh, man, I was so much older. But then, uh, that's, what I was, that's what I was saying is like, some of those kids were, uh, some of them were like 16, 15 mm-hmm. and 16, because it was all ages back then. Yeah. And so some of them were, you know, probably seven, six, seven years older than yeah. us. But some of them were only like a few years older or younger than us. Yeah. And I don't know, it just seemed like at that time, even all of us were like <laughs> those kids and their AGP. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, dude, I just feel like that. Um, people just want a place to, to belong, man. I mean, it worked or whatever. I mean, it was hilarious because I remember sometimes we would really have some like, I remember the big thing about that doing shows and I remember being like Russell would be like dude if you fucking spit on me I'll lose my god because they would spit on me and I'm like nah dude I don't want to be fucking spit on Yeah, I, I am I not that like fucking that. punk rock because it was like they were they were very very much harnessing the 77 ethic of stuff mm-hmm. that was like they it was kind of like okay because they were punk rock leather jackets mohawks and I'm like okay 
because we were kind of like jeans and shirts kids, I guess, yeah. all of us at that time or whatever. But yeah, I, I, yeah, we, we played a lot of stuff together because I think we try to get you on a lot of stuff out of town kind of stuff too. Yeah, for some reason, we just never really did a lot of out of town stuff. Your I think stuff was, was, I think, Saunders. Saunders yeah, was, was a very established Saunders, human yeah, being. He was, very, he, was, he was ready to just He was the married, the, the married one in the band, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Okay. And then Greg got married, and then I got married, and that's yeah. when it all kind of fell apart. Yeah. And, um, and then came back for a little while. Yeah. But yeah, it's Saun- Saunders was was the one that was grounded so much that we yeah. really just couldn't travel. Yeah, no, we just, we would just, yeah, we just play. Because I remember, like, I did the podcast with Darius from, uh, who does the shows at Backdoor Skate Park and stuff up in Greenville, North Carolina. And I remember we would do shows up there and stuff and go up there and play and everything and just... Like, yeah, we would just do stuff because I mean I just felt like that was kind of you know what we wanted to do, and like even more so when the Style King split because your your brother I guess wound up quitting because he got in, uh was getting married and everything yeah, like that, yeah. and then we just kind of had internal problems. So so you had Nick Province played. We talked he about this a little bit. Second, I think before I started recording, yes. he, he played with you for a minute. My, my brother was still playing then, right? It was like yeah. you became a yeah. Your 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 brother. He was he, from that moment he joined until the end of that 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 era. Your brother was one of the the main three. Yeah. The Style Kings were, in all actuality, me, Russell, and, and Andrew more than likely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. early on in the the band when I started having the Mike Mulga, Gail Ice even played guitar for us for like a second. Yeah, very early on for like a show or so. Yeah, whenever we introduce a new member, it honestly would not go more than like. Maybe a fucking minute or two. Yeah. Like it never really lasted long. But like I remember, um, because we did a where we broke up and then got back together because we were having some real issues. I think me and Ross were having some personal stuff go on. Because mm-hmm. I remember like the Scared of Chaka show. I quit on stage. Okay, yeah, I, said, I remember we, that show. But I we did I don't that remember show. You quitting because I did that show and said because I said this will be our my last show until further notice. I was like, we just have things we need to work out. Because we were not in a good place. We were playing shows. But so I don't even remember. It's been so long. And I don't care either, actually. Yeah. Because I remember, like, we had a show the next day. And we were packing up. And Russell, I guess, didn't realize. And Andrew's like, no, we're not playing tomorrow. Dwayne quit. What? And he's like, yeah, Dwayne quit. He said it. He had a speech on fucking stage. Because we played the Shotgun City song. Mm-hmm. And anybody who knows that song, listen to it. It's That song hit me really hard that night. Because like, so we were in a bad place. That song's all about, like, being young, getting along, and just being together for you know the cause of just being being friends, and I'm like, it's hit me in the wrong spot, and I was yeah. just like, no, nah, I can't keep fucking doing this because well, I wasn't having fun, and um, I think your your brother was was dating his soon to be wife, I guess at the time, yeah, and yeah. Then, so we kind of stopped for a while. I think we did one more show, and I think Nick might have come in, and I think it was kind of a bargaining tool to even up the odds because I think me and Andrew were kind of getting along really well, but. We were not with Russell. Yeah. Like I said, I don't remember though, and I don't even want to speculate why. I don't remember. It's been so long. I mean, we're talking the 90s, you yeah. know. It's it a long 20- time ago. Yeah, yeah. it's a long time ago, and I don't remember. You know, and it's just, it is what it is, you know. I mean, it's, I don't care. But I remember like that happening. I think we may have done one or two more shows, and I think we just finally just called it. But, but you and Russell I, ended up playing no, together. I'm saying, again we later. wound up, whatever it was, passed. Yeah. Because I started playing with, Lee Dameron, Cameron McGinnis, who was yeah. Ryan McGinnis's brother, yeah, yeah. because they had a band and they played with Davey from Automate, Craig's uh, band. You know Davey? Yeah. You know Davey? Uh, I remember Automate. 
Well, Davey oh, fucking Blackburn. Like he okay. was in Automatic or whatever, and he was in uh, also Colabial, like mm-hmm. the, the drummer in the band. Anyway, he was apparently playing with them, but that wasn't working out. And I worked with Lee's fiance or whatever at Toys, and I was in playing music or whatever. And she was like, "Well, I'm boyfriend. Fiance plays music. He's in the hardcore. He's a straight edge kid." Because I was a straight edge kid at the time or whatever. And I remember him showing up one day. He's like, "Hey, we, I play music. You should f- f- come play with us." Mm-hmm. And I was really into more aggressive music. And even the Style Kings later songs, we were listening to a lot more uh, screamier hardcore yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, and definitely at the time, a lot more like four, uh, like four hundred years. Uh, a lot of the abolition stuff like that, like Torches the Rome, that was what I was really getting into, which is basically the backtrack into more metal aggressive stuff. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like where my circle was starting to fill, fill, fill back around. And I started playing with him, and dude, it was great. We did a band called Mitchell. Russell, you should come in and do vocals for this because he was definitely getting more screamier vocals. Yeah, and we lasted for a couple years, and then the band kind of imploded just through personal shit, but whatever. And but we same thing. We did a lot of touring. Uh, we play a lot. We, we did a bunch of touring with that band, and we did a lot of fucking shows, like four hundred years, and played with Zayev some more. And we we did a lot of um, Millhouse, Sons of Abraham, a lot more hardcore stuff. But mm-hmm. but we were playing. We recorded. Uh, a 12 inch. Yeah. We were talking about the band, that earlier. all the answers from Canada, yeah. which is funny because we met that band as the style Kings and we were going to do a split with them because they're that's a lot style more Kings, of a punk rock yeah. band. And, but they were like, we had split and we did the new band. We're like, Hey, we'll still do the split record. Uh, but it's our new band and like, fuck yeah, we'll do it. So we did the split with the band from Canada and, uh, we recorded that at TH productions in Rock Hill. Okay. Not the best for that. That dude was like recorded church bands. It was pretty hilarious. Oh, we did wow. it there, but yeah. he recorded Sava Rain and Sava Rain's record sounded fine. So we're yeah. like, well, we'll do that too. So when he was, you know, uh, and Tim Harsh recorded it. And, but we did that. And, uh, so we, we toured and like, it was fine. And, but like I said, I wound up leaving the band, like personal issues and stuff. And then me and Russell, whatever, Kind of, that was it. We were kind of that done a, for, kind for of whatever and, and everything. And like I said, it's water in the bridge stuff. And I don't even, if it's not going to resolve by now, it's not. And it's fine. Yeah. Everyone should have moved on. It's fine. Yeah. I actually wound up playing with Cameron again later on, but we did that. And then I kind of got out of music for a while. Went yeah. back to school and was, moved to Rock Hill and was not really doing anything musically. And then I wound up meeting up. Through the Style Kings in Nick Province, I wound up meeting Chris Gervais, who okay. is a really well-known guitar singer guy from the Charlotte Rock Hill mm-hmm. area. It was kind of strange. Like, I met him, and we would kind of fuck around and play some music as kind of goof-offs, because I lived right beside Winthrop. Okay. And, yeah. uh, uh, oh, fuck, Mike Ledford. There was two mics in Young Tom Fury, so <laughs> Ledford and Flowers. Okay. Okay. Flowers was a guy that hung out with everybody. Uh, there's this artist guy who's a really great artist named Frank McCauley. He played music, played guitar, uh, some bass and drums and stuff, whatever. But we would, we, 
used uh, an empty dorm at the lodge at Winthrop, mm-hmm. and we would play music until we got caught and got kicked out. They threatened <laughs> to call the cops and shit. But we are playing music, and it's funny, that music, if you go back and listen to it, is very much what become Young Tom Fury later on. Yeah. But I started playing music a little bit with them because Ledford was in the band, knew me from the Style Kings because he dated Nick Province's sister. Okay. He was like, I know you, you play music, blah, 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 but I... He's like, but I think you play drums and stuff. And like, he knew me because I did that. And he's like, we should play music. And we would just get there and fuck around. And Chris had just really started playing music at all. And, and it was real weird. We played and it kind of stopped. And then he went formed the band, what would be Young Tom Fury, I guess, with him, Flowers, Ledford, and a guy named Jamie that wound up being the bass player in the Canyon Arrows later, mm-hmm. playing drums. Jamie was a fucking horrible drummer. <laughs> like, they have an EP that... For the record, Chris will never let me release. Like, I want to do a discography, and he's like, I can't. Uh, it's horrible. It's not good. It, they recorded it, self-recorded it, and he said he almost had a mental breakdown trying to make it work because it was so fucking weird. Yeah. And Mike had learned how to play bass. Flowers had learned how to play bass for it. and But the song sounded really good. We actually wound up using almost all the songs off of it. Mm-hmm. And it has a song on it called Throwing Up, which I think is one of the best fucking songs about being liking a girl and it's very it's very punk rock very pop punk yeah lyrically it's fantastic i wish we could have recorded it it's anything i mean i really eventually think i will want up it may be on one of the eps i might have stuck it on there because it, as a hidden track because <laughs> yeah. it, like it's such a good song it deserves to be heard but they wound up forming that band and i guess leffer was working out and i remember living by myself in an apartment in rock hill and i get a knock on the door and they're like hey um, you want to play, play guitar in this band with us? I'm like, okay, sure. Fuck it. Why not? Yeah. Like, it was just real random. I didn't really know the guys. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, we have a show next Thursday <laughs> at, for what it's worth, which is now McHale's and Rock Hill. And I'm like, okay. So I showed up and had to learn like their whole song list, which I mean, it was a solid, it was like eight or nine songs. Yeah. And, and it wasn't like I was like a virtuoso guitar player, but I mean, it was fine. It was well within my ability. And I remember learning how to play uh, the songs, and then we did the show, which there's a video somewhere, and I went back and watched it. It wasn't horrible, uh, but Jamie was on drums, I was on guitar. Also, like if anybody who knows Chris and me and everybody at the time, we were all much more gargantuan men. Yeah. Like, all much bigger guys. Yeah. And uh, since then, they've everyone has shrunken, uh, <laughs> and it's quit eating fucking... Jack in the Box 24-7. So so we did that show, and I remember, like, during this whole time, I'm working at at Toys R Us. Yeah. Because you guys have a song, uh, Clover Chaos. Yeah, Clover Chaos, it mentions that. Yeah, that talks about the guy with the toy toy store with an X on his hand, and that is I. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm working at Toys R Us the whole time. That was at the Gastonia. I'd moved to Pineville. They were having like a family day. And they were like, your band should play. They never even heard us. What like, fuck, we'll play. <laughs> and I remember like, it's the day of the show. And Jamie, the drummer's like, I can't play. My parents are going to the beach. And I remember Mike's like, fuck you. You're fucking out of the band. And it was like, Dwayne, can you, can you play the drums? I'm like, yeah, probably. Cause I remember we went in the studio to record a track for something Ryan was doing, some comp. 
we went in and we recorded the song and we had did a test because Jamie hadn't done it and I recorded the drums just to test the drums and we wound up using the track I test recorded because the song breaks into a Jimmy Eat World song halfway through but it kind of worked because of the it sounded very that way mm-hmm. and uh, it's actually on one of our EPs we weren't using it but the track we just didn't use his version it was so bad Yeah. but we weren't using the scratch track and just recording vocals we, they weren't not putting it out so we put it on the EP but I was like fuck yeah I could do it and they called Ledford up. The guy they had kicked out to bring me in. He's like, can you come play the guitar on these? He's like, okay. <laughs> so we weren't playing a show that day. I mean, I, we ran through the songs once or twice. I'm like, I got this. Because now they went, so it wasn't like it's a problem. And they weren't, they weren't rocket science. And so we just played a show. And like it was just kind of like, fuck it. This is what's going to happen. So yeah. we started playing as, as that lineup and recorded our first EP. The, um, oh, what's the first one was called? Um, shit. It's a goddamn Simpson reference. It's always Simpson references. Um, <laughs> this, this was Young Tom Fury? Yeah, Young, Young Tom Fury. Yeah, I did Young Tom Fury for years after that. Young Tom Fury officially has never broken up. We re, re, we regroup and play. It seems like every three, three or four years we'll get together. You was called Worst Band Ever. So it was. So we did Worst Band Ever, recorded at the studio. It was the first time I ever played di- digital drums, and they were horrible. It was the worst. Like, I would roll, and my rolls would be, supposed to be like, and they'd go, like, it wouldn't trigger. <laughs> it was really hilariously bad. And uh, and we went in, and the guy's like, we're like, okay, we're going to, he's like, he's well, I listen to you guys, and I really hear something like like a smash mouth. And we were not. <laughs> Young Down Fear was very much... Chris's big stuff was Not he was super up. into the, he loved the Descendants all he really into the Cure it was very very pop punk mm-hmm. saves the day newfound glory like that there's stuff because they were they're all a couple years younger than him by younger I mean like three or four years yeah it seemed at the time they were way younger because I think I was getting close to thirty at this time and they were in their mid twenties yeah. and very inexperienced young lads but uh, we played and like uh, the band got really popular we started playing uh, the Rock Hill scene blew up all of a sudden. And we were doing these shows at a place called the Equal House and starting to do shows and recording. And during this time, I started playing with the band Walsham, mm-hmm. um, okay. which was a band that I had met at the place, the Bowling Point. Do you remember the Bowling yeah, Point? Yeah, I, re- I remember the name. I'm the guys from the AGP started a, a space called the Bowling yeah. Point up in like North West Charlotte or whatever. And I was helping do shows there because of George mm-hmm. Mungo Turd. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. George's real last name is. Um, I was helping do shows there and I was booking stuff and these were a bunch of young kids. I'm straight up high school kids and I'm in my early thirties at this point. And I remember watching them and being like, man, you guys sound old. And I talked about a bunch of bands that like, the guy's like, you know who these fucking bands are? And I'm like, yes. I'm like, yes, I'm a man of my age. And they just sounded a lot like Gravity Records and stuff. It was, it was a different style. I mean, you didn't hear, everybody was all chug a metal and these kids were not doing that. It was yeah. a lot more like, it was still intense hardcore stuff, but it was... It, it had a lot more flowiness to it, almost a danciness. It was weird. Everything wasn't drop the. It wasn't yeah. like write a heart, a breakdown, and everything work around it. Uh, but I remember being like, I really like you guys a lot. And then randomly, I started working part time at Hot Topic 
um, <laughs> while working full time at Toys. I was the manager of the electronics area, and then I were, was working full time at Hot Topic yeah. during the season to make money. And I remember I was doing Young Tom Fury still, and I was working at Hot Topic, and I was dating this girl, and she said, Matt from Walsham is looking for you. And I'm like, okay, I don't really fucking know this kid. I've met him a few times for the band. He was like, hey, man, I want you to come play bass in Walsham. I'm like, okay, wow. Don't you play bass? He's like, nah, dude, I'm going to start singing. And I just want you to start playing because I can't really, uh, it's getting to the point where I can't play and sing, and we like you. Yeah. I'm like, okay. So I go and I meet them uh, and go, and it's funny because they're like, we have a show in like two weeks. It's always a <laughs> shit where I come in to play, and I go and learn stuff. And this shit is not like, it's a little more complex. Matt and Rory were both, Rory was 12th grade high school. Mike Wallace, the guitar player, the main one of the main songwriter guys, was graduating some Catholic high school in there. Matt was, I think, he just graduated or was about to graduate also. And then Zach Distel, the guitar player, was going to UNC Greensboro. Okay. He was like first year there. Yeah. So you're talking like they were all like 18, maybe 19, and, and I think he was 19, almost 20. Yeah. And I remember going and learning the stuff, going to Rory's mom's house, learning to play the songs and everything, and having a show – and then meeting Zach that day. They're like, hey, this is Dwayne. He's our new bass player. And he's like, hey. And then we do a fucking show. Yeah. And then that show, that band fucking blew up. It was great. Mm-hmm. Like, we started playing and, like, I was able to bring the old man mentality of how the fucking bands work. Yeah. Plus, I had a van. So, yeah. we were able to start doing stuff. And I got them. I'm like, you guys have to buy equipment. Because they were still kind of rocking, like, high school equipment. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, you guys need to get some stuff. Like, the drum set's good. Uh, I got a bass amp because they were still using like a combo amp. I'm like, it, it's not that, you know, you need, but you need to get something that we can play. They were still not really like trying to scrounge shit together. I was like, you, if you're going to be a band, you need equipment. And yeah. I had an amp. So one of them was using it and, and all this or whatever. But during that period, I guess you got fear you did not like this. And they kicked me out <laughs> behind my back. And I found out from someone else that they had got a new drummer. And I was like, oh, fuck it. Okay. <laughs> so I just kept playing with them. We toured a bunch. We did a couple tours. I was working at Sam Ash at the time because yeah. I had uh, gotten laid off from toys. They were doing some weird shit, and my position had been eliminated. So I got fired from toys for a moment. Mm-hmm. I'd be gone for at least 90 days. And I was like, fuck it. I cashed up my 401k, so I really didn't work. I started working at Sam Ash, and I got a job there. At the interview, said, hey, I play music because they wanted musicians to work there. And they're like, oh, not a problem. I was like, why go on tour in like fucking a month? This is going to be a problem. No, it'll be great. Yeah. And fucking the moment I got to go on tour, the guy's like, you haven't been here long enough to be able to go and do stuff. You you, you have to quit. I was like, fuck you, I'll quit. <laughs> so I quit. I didn't give a shit. You know, I had money. I had like $8,000 in the bank. I was also hemorrhaging money like crazy because I was spending on everything and, yeah, and yeah. whatever. And like, so we were like, we're going to go on a fucking tour. And we went on tour and it was awesome. We played with like all these great bands. We played up through like fucking Chicago and New York and uh, Ithaca. And like, we like, it was crazy because we left here and we were doing all these shows around here with like Circle Takes a Square and Crestfallen and all these really great fucking screamier hardcore bands. And, um, but we were only playing once every couple months. People were like, I thought you broke up. No, man, we're playing and. Greensboro and stuff, and Charles, we played Charleston a bunch. It's a place got all books with Phoenix Bodies and uh, just all these other bands. And it was great because we were like, we we're booking shows for bands so we could play with them, and then in turn, booking stuff out of town. And mm-hmm. like, so we went on tour, 
And I remember leaving here and doing our shows, and we go to Knoxville because Rory's dad lived there, so we had the ability to stay there that night. And then we played a show there. This place called the Java Cellar. Fucking weird. No band there was like us. Which there was a place in Shelby called Java Cellar for a little while. That's fucking hilarious. And I found the flyer in that box right there. Yeah. For the style, for the style, style no, for the accidents and the style kings. I was yeah. about to say style and Johnny Appleseeds. For the Java Cellar, oh, but real? that show never happened. Because oh, I think real? they closed down before we got to play That's the show. That's funny, man. Oh, before, anyway. <laughs> before I get, let me, let me jump back one time. Let's talk about places that didn't happen. Uh, while in Youngtown Fury, Penn and Walsham, I will come back. This is a story I cannot let go. Yeah. This story is great. While in Youngtown Fury, oh, God damn it. I almost let, this story is worth it. I promise you. Yeah. While in Youngtown Fury, we were playing and we used to play this Christian coffee shop okay. called Lost and Found in Rock Hill. Uh, I don't know why, but somehow they were like, this guy saw us play somewhere, and he's like, I really like you guys. You should play here. Because mm. we, we were not like super offensive or whatever. Yeah. It's just we would cuss occasionally on stage, but it was like not bad. And we always played this coffee. It was a, a coffee shop called Lost and Found, but it was owned by the church across the street. And we'd always play there, but every time we'd play, we'd always get a follow-up email being like, did one of your guys say shit <laughs> on stage? And more than likely, fuck, somebody probably did. Yeah. Because we would just say stuff randomly to each other. But, I mean, the music we played was very, like, Jimmy World. And, like I said, it wasn't offensive. Mm-hmm. And the kids loved us playing. It was always so much fun. And they would give us, like, 40 bucks. And then we would go directly to Jack in the Box, buy $40 worth of food, and yeah. meet at my friend's house. We'd watch episode one and eat Jack in the Box until we were <laughs> fucking sick. It was ridiculous. That's what we did. But the funny thing that happened, a guy named Mike Bush was helped that coffee shop. He really liked us. He's like, guys. I book bands and I want to like help you guys do stuff. I'm like, cool, cool, okay, whatever. And he's like, I'll book you some shows. The only problem was, is like, we're not a Christian band. Yeah. <laughs> but for some reason, even though he said he wasn't going to do this, he would only book us Christian shows. We played, do you remember Celebration Station? Yep. <laughs> we did a show at Celebration oh, Station wow. and it was us and two other bands. Christian rock bands and like we're there and some person comes up with a microphone and a tape and like a camera and it's like the Christian Charlotte News or some shit (laughs) and they're talking to us they're talking to Chris Gervais and they're like they're like so um you guys, you know, Young Tom Fury, right? Like yeah we're Young Tom Fury. He's like oh so you guys really play music blah blah and then they said something like so uh so you guys uh so how do you guys feel about you know really getting out there spreading the work of the Lord and, and everything and Chris is just like you know we're just we're just out there getting the word out, doing what we can. He's like, yeah. She's like, well, you guys are really great. Good job. And then goes about, and I'm like, Chris, what the fuck is that all about? He's like, hey, man, if we got to get on the Jesus train to get somewhere, it's like, then we're going to get on the Jesus train. Because for some reason, we were getting booked like at Uncle Doctor's and, and down in Columbia. But like we were playing with like Staves Acre and a bunch of these bands, like Tooth and Nail bands. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was a mic thing or if that's just what happened. But we were getting all these bands like that. And like they were great shows and the bands were good. But I know we did that. And then there was a place in Pineville called The Well. It's a Christian coffee shop. Mike Bush booked us here. This is the final part of the story. I'll let this go. <laughs> but we had a fucking bullshit early website where you take like the band. Like, where are you playing? What time? Who you hope to meet? Whatever. And we'd always put stuff. And like we played Lost Found, we put like the we had a thing like the well, the time, the date, and it's like who do you hope to meet? And Mike had put Jesus. <laughs> then he wrote cookies. Mmm, Jesus cookies. <laughs> we got kicked off the show. <laughs> so yeah, so that was the young time period thing. We just stupid stuff, man. 
But anyway, yeah, that was one of the best moments. Like, so for a minute there, we were a Christian rock band yeah, inadvertently. But not really. But yeah, though, that Welsh shit was hilarious. And then we finally had to quit Lost and Found because it got so out of hand. It was like, did you? And I'm like, look, fuck it. We're done. Yeah, it's like, you, yeah. it, we can't. Well, I don't know. We just talk like people. Wasn't we up there like, fuck Jesus and suck my dick, Mary, or something <laughs> yeah. like that. It was everything. It was like, we'd like play and break shit. Like, oh, shit, shit I broke a string or yeah, whatever. Yeah, like, it wasn't like, man, fuck your moms. I mean, it, wasn't, it was nothing like that. Yeah. It was super low-key. We were super on well. Uh, and the thing was, Mike Flowers is a filthy human being. He would say hilarious, gross shit. Yeah. I mean, if they were like, were you guys up there farting a lot? Yeah, probably. Mike was probably gas fucking everybody. That was probably a thing. But it's like... Yeah, we might have said shit. Yeah. I might have said fuck. It's possible. It's human. We have mics on us. We're we're dope. Whatever. But anyway, back to Walsham. So uh, we did the Knoxville show, the Java Seller thing. We're going up through towards Chicago to play. We're not technically playing Chicago. We're playing Highland, Indiana, which is a suburb. We're going up to play this fucking fest up there. We're going up through Indiana. And, uh, dude, it starts snowing. Like, legit, for real fucking, it's snowing. Hmm. I'm like, oh, as you go up, it's going to get worse. And I'm in my van, dude, and I'm like driving. I'm like, oh, fuck. And we get there, dude, it's just like a blizzard. Mm-hmm. And we're like, no one's going to come here. It's fucking snow. It's bullshit. Rory, our constant problem child, does not pack for the weather. He's wearing basically what you're wearing for yeah. this tour because it doesn't get cold here. And we're like, dude, you know, Jackie's like, I'll get this like running jacket. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> so we're like, well, let's go find some. We get to the place we go and this pizza place and they're out plowing everything. We show up, dude. There's fucking kids in shorts and t-shirts, man. They did not stop it at all. Oh, wow. So we played there. But the downside of that, we played this band called Pretty Faces, which we're really good friends with. And like, we had a bunch of shows with them. We, not purposely, but they were on a lot of the same spots. Mm-hmm. And I remember like we played with them and the next show we're supposed to do with them. They had to go home because two of the fucking gods got pneumonia because they were oh, fucking man. sleeping in their van because they couldn't find a place to stay. Yeah. And they had gotten sick and stuff. And like, um, but yeah, we did that. And then we played like New Jersey with like the ship will sink and a bunch of really great fucking bands. And then we came back and then I felt like with that band, they were all young and I was getting very uh, underappreciated mm-hmm. because I was spending all my money to get everything going. I was yeah, paying for all this. Yeah. Like when we went on tour, I honestly paid for fucking everything. I've gassed the fucking van. I kept cases. Like, I did so much stuff. I, they didn't use my equipment. Like, Rory didn't have cymbals. So he was taking my cymbals, which are not cheap, using those. One of the guys was using my amp. Right. I, my 5150 that I still have to this day. That is my, like, favorite thing in the world. And I remember being like, look, guys, I'm, you know, like, in this time, like, we, I'd started, like, not having a lot of money. I was like, because I'd spent so much money for the tour and like we went through so much of my cash because I was buying things we needed, shirts and making shirts and screen printing all the stuff for us and all this. And I was like, look, man, we need to take some of this money we have from this thing and I need to pay some for the insurance on the van. They're like, well, that's your, you drive it. So I don't know why we would pay it. And I was like, all right, fuck it. <laughs> and I remember like we were going on tour and like I had to buy a fucking carburetor. And then they were like, well, we have to get it fixed before we, we got to go on tour. And I'm like, I will try, man, best I can. I was like, I gotta, it's not like you just throw it on and forget it, you know, and stuff. And well, luckily I wanted to get everything up, but it just seemed like nothing was appreciated because this yeah, was our yeah. second tour, the first tour, and then we did the second one. 
And when we got back, they were like, all right, well, fine. I was like, well, look, when we get back, I think I'm done. Mm-hmm. And we wound up playing one of the Punk Wars shows with Code and Armada and a bunch of bands. And I was like, fuck it, guys. Let's play this like it's our fucking last show. And it was a great show. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun. And I told people, I was like, I just don't know, man. I just don't know what's going on. I feel like. And it's just them being young. Yeah. You know, in retrospect, things have been fine since then. Um, but, um, but yeah, I wound up having to leave that band. And, I mean, they wound up going on without me for a little bit. They did some stuff later on and everything. And then those guys went on to do Bow and Arrow uh, without Matt. Matt come in for Matt for like a second. So he was going to replace our bass business. Also, while doing that, I was in a band with Cameron again called The Engineer, which lasted for about okay. this much time. Yeah. But the amount of time we were together, which was seriously like three or four months, we fucking toured with like a bunch of fucking great bands. <laughs> I released that EP on it. We did one like EP we recorded live in like Craig's house, and we put it up. It's just this demo in his fucking house. We just set up mics and recorded, but we did like a tour with like Funeral Diner and Takaru and uh, fucking Yafekado and a bunch of bands, and we were doing that. And I was also doing Washroom at the time, and I think it was an issue where like um, Jason was in the band, who later is in the map with me. Like I think Cameron was like, I'm really not liking Dwayne doing all these two bands. And yeah. so, and he was like, well, fuck it. If, if you're getting upset, then never mind. And so he just kind of wanted to quit. And then I went back to Yoktime Fury again. How long do you want to go? Because I feel like there's a, I have a whole, I feel like that I have. Well, we've recorded two hours so far, but a lot of it, I will cut it. I, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll edit a lot of it. Um, the thing is, to, you know, maybe get the rest of it in about an hour. I have a fucking lot of band shit. Because yeah. I mean, if you just keep going, we got like, it's like, I mean, I'm getting to the point where I'm pretty much where I'm, you know, whatever. There's not like, you know. Because right now, really, it's just like, what band was I in when I wasn't in Young Tom Fury again? You know, yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, but like, uh, yeah, so I was at what part? Like, we, I think we're getting ready to talk about Young Tom Fury. Okay, so yeah, I was in Washington. Why don't we leave in Washington? Yeah, Washington, and then... And the engineer thing ended. No, we're getting ready to talk about the map, I think. Well, after after the engineer thing, I went back to Young Tom Fury for a bit. Because yeah. the funny thing about Young Tom Fury is like, um, while I'm being in Washington, they kicked me, I told you, they, yeah, you behind my back, track. kicked me out. And I remember talking to him, like, man, whatever, dude, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. They found another drummer, and I remember going to see them play. It was their first show without me. And I'm like, I'm trying to be the good dude. I'm like, let's go watch them play. And I remember years later finding out Chris Gervais was like, gee, dude. And Chris was, nobody in that band was drinkers. But Chris was like, dude, I slammed like three beers when we played because I was about to have a panic attack because you were there. I'm like, why? I was like, I just come to see you guys. You know, and I was like, I, I don't, I'm not here to be a dick about stuff. And he just, this was years later. He's like, oh, well, I mean, it was just, it was just weird, man. Cause we didn't tell you. And, you know, we were just, we didn't, you know, we were what to do. And I'm like, it's fine. I mean, those were all socially awkward guys. Oh, yeah. Cause then later on, they wound up bringing Steve. They wound up left for leaving and they brought in uh, Stephen DeVros or Stephen, Steve, Stephen Fury. Mm. And uh, they recorded a full length, which is on the, it's funny. I, um, worst band ever, I believe, is on, on my, Hero support. I know I had it up at one time. Yeah. And then they did an album called uh, I've Got a Bad Feeling About This is a Full Length, which I am not on. It's with that lineup. Uh, it's Ledford and whatever, and they recorded. And then they reformed one more time with a different drummer, um, a guy from a band called Equal. 
got another mic. There's so many fucking mics yeah, in that band. Mics. And um they and they were him and I was like, That's cool, man. I'm glad you guys are you're playing or whatever. But um it wound up being a thing where they were like, Do you wanna come play with us? We we don't like George uh yeah. anymore. This is before they got the mic guy, but they still had George. And it was funny because they played at the money and they were doing a battle of the bands with him. And I remember Mike coming in and being like, We we gotta get rid of him, dude. He he kinda sucks. He's like just he was in some horrible like frat rock band at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and he was playing drums on both of them. And they had played this battle of the bands thing, the money, and they had won their day and were going on to the finals. The funny <laughs> thing was at the finals, they kicked him out and I came in with the band. Okay. So they competed versus his other <laughs> band and me. <laughs> So, so it's fucking, if it would, if they would have done that, he'd have been competing against himself, I guess. Yeah, he'd have been in both bands. Yeah. So because it was two different nights, and they had won their nights, so then the finals, I win. I win. So the finals, <laughs> it was whatever band he was in, and then I was with them. And I remember it really hilarious because uh, Wednesday Thirteen was one of the judges. Okay. <laughs> and uh, but they, I come in and played with them, and I learned their new songs and everything. And then I like it was funny because I played the finals. Versus them and whatever. And neither one of us won. Some other band won the yeah. thing, whatever. But it was fine. I was like, all right, well, I'll play with you guys. Because they had Steve. And then we started writing. And uh, we went for a little while. And then they just kind of fizzled out. Because Chris's whole thing is he wants to make movies. And he still, he does movies now. He does uh, Straw House Pictures and everything. He's a super talented guy. Mm-hmm. The guy's got more talent than the human person fucking needs. He's just, he, uh, he's, he's one of my favorite musicians. I mean, it's just, I'm very, like, I pr- honestly, like, so happy to know this guy because he's fucking fantastic. He's also genuinely a good human being, but it is insane how talented the dude is. Yeah. Like, like he's seriously sit on the toilet and shit out of tune. And you're like, man, that's a fucking great song <laughs> all day long. It's just, and then plus he does movies and everything. And like, he's doing that with a bunch of guys from Rock Hill and that. And anyway, so I did that and it kind of fizzled out. And then, um, somehow in the mix of this, while playing in Young Tom Fury, Stephen DeVros or Stephen Fury had a sister named Janine. Mm-hmm. Janine, we met actually before Steve even joined the band. She was friends with this band since we played with, and she was called Janine Fury. She's one of our biggest fans or whatever. But we get a record, and I know this girl, and she randomly shows up at our, one of our recording sessions with this kid named Harry Baldwin, who I play in the map with, or mm-hmm. play in the map with, and now playing Seriously Dead. The thing about Harry is like, Young Tom Fury played in Columbia randomly one at this show. Yeah. And this kid comes up to me and he's like, hey, did you play in Clinton at Legends Ice Cream Shop with the Frantics and the Ramens in Clinton, South Carolina? I was like, it's a band called the Style Kings? I was like, yeah. Were you fucking like 11? He's like, <laughs> yeah, I was. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And he was in another band. Yeah. And uh, like, he's like, give me your email. And he sent me pictures of us playing this show. Like, you know, I'm early 20s and mm-hmm. this me andrew and russell fucking yeah. playing this fucking ice cream shop in clinton and so i'm at this thing and i'm talking to her and then she walks up this fucking kid and i'm like i know you he's like i fucking know you <laughs> and it winds up she had started going to lander in greenwood harry went there and they had started dating and then okay. she would come up with him and the great thing about it was when he came to town he couldn't stay with her because she lived with her parents so he stayed with me in my apartment and we became instantly fast friends and yeah. like talked about Voltron all the time. Uh, cause we were both like, he's me 10 years younger. We're yeah. very similar. Like he's in his early twenties. I was in my early thirties at the time or whatever. But like this goes on. I do young time theory and, uh, I'm in Washington. And at the time he was at a band called Peter Mayhew, which I released that stuff on yeah. my label. He was doing that band. 
it's fucking fantastic, really great chaotic hardcore stuff. And we're playing shows together, and then randomly, just off a whim, we're like, everything had kind of died. And we're like, dude, we should do a band together. I was like, fuck it, man, why not? Yeah. So I drive down to Clinton at this trailer that his mom had or whatever, and Colt went with it. And then Jason, who was in the engineer, was like, I'll go with you. I was like, you should come down, man, we need a singer. And we go down there, and we write the first fucking two map songs. Yeah. Like, they had had some stuff kind of did, and, like, Jason writes the shit. We do a little fucking demo recording of, like, this is great. We're like, we should do this again. And then we come up to my sister's house, because she lives in Clover, and it's kind of like the, because Jason's in Charlotte. I'm in the Clover Rock Hill area. Mm -hmm. Colt and Harry are in Clinton, so it's all, like, this fucking weird shuffle area. I think Colt might actually be in Columbia after a while. And we were like, all right, fuck it. We'll get Cameron to come in and play bass. Yeah. So he comes in, we track a couple songs, we record a demo, and then we fucking tour. Because that's what you do. You go, we just fucking tour and stuff up the coast. And we went on tour with this band called Abort Captain. And uh, it was really good. Harry and Colt had some stuff. And then we would get together. It was weird. We had this problem where we wrote two songs, and we got together later on, and we wrote two more songs. And then we wrote like one. We had five songs. We're like, fuck it, we're going on tour. So we had five songs barely fucking five minutes music because the music's yeah. so fast like on paper it's a full length song but the stuff's that those songs earlier were a little more like throwback hardcore so they were more like two minute songs but we went on tour and it was awesome when we get back we start having problems with cameron and so we kind of had to part ways with them yeah and we wound up basically staying as four piece mm. but during this time i'm like dude I'm, I've wrote some stuff. What about this? And I show, I remember being at Jason's house and uh, I write this, show him this fucking song, which is the song Roll for Damage. what the shit is that and i'm like i wrote this because i write a lot more grind metal type stuff he's like dude we've got to fucking use it and i show it to harry and he's like okay cool cool so what happens with the band from that forward that dynamic forward on is i would go pick up harry mm -hmm. he would come over on a friday i would write stuff and be like here i got these songs and i'll show them to him we would arrange them and then saturday colt and jason would come down and we would fucking finish them mm -hmm. And that is pretty much the stuff, the next five songs or so we wrote. Because I think our whole discography is like ten songs. Yeah. There's one song we've never recorded. Um, but I continued, I wrote everything from then on. And that was just became the dynamic. I would write the guitar parts, show them. We would get together. I'd play all the drum stuff. Get it worked out. I'd write a second guitar part for Colt. He would kind of play it, kind of not, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then Jason would and put vocals in. And uh, it stayed that way for a while until Jason wound up leaving the band because... Some miscommunication stuff happened, and he wasn't happy. And I was like, if you're not happy, you can leave. I mean, there's 
you don't need to be here if you're not happy. Yeah. And he was like, fuck it. And he kind of got pissed and left. And we continued on as a three-piece. Colt took over vocals. Uh, me and him were sharing vocals. We were still writing pretty much the same songs. We were playing the same set of songs. We brought in a friend of ours, uh, Grunny Lauren, to play bass. And same thing. We just toured again. Yeah. Uh, and we were playing. And it was going really well. Um, then when I had moved to Columbia at this point, And we started having a lot of friction with Colt. And I was, I basically talked to Jason. I was like, look, I can't do this band without you. I need you. You're kind of my, like, Harry is a great guy. And I play with Harry in a band till this day. Harry is a very, like, level, just non-conflict guy. Yeah. And it's just like, you say, hey, man, blah, blah, blah. He's like, eh, you know, whatever. It's, it's, he's just, he's level. Yeah. He's not really a, a conflict guy. So, um, and like I said, Jason and Colt, uh, but I, I was like, I need you back. And Jason's like, man, I fucking missed the band. Fuck it, he'll do it. So he comes back and it's. And at this point, I had moved down there, and I started doing this house called the 112. Mm-hmm. And we become, like, the place people are fucking coming to and playing, dude. Like, it's all these hardcore bands coming through. Slingshot Dakota, I met them from there. Like, we're doing pretty much across the board different stuff. Indie rock and hardcore and grindcore, but Ampere's playing, uh, Holy Mountain. All these bands are coming through, and they're like, it's, it's fucking great. I love it. And he's he's moves down there for a while. And during this period, him and Colt just blow up like it's it's horrible like it involves pissing on someone's car <laughs> you know um it was real bad yeah but i was just like fuck it and i was like dude you're not happy you should leave and then colt's like fuck i go so we basically continue on we were like whatever and by the time we already got rid of the lauren girl so she wasn't really into doing the stuff after the tour she quit and so we found ryan who was actually in the screeching weasel band yeah. harry went to lander with him and he knows him because he's wearing a Screechy Wheels t-shirt. He's like, no one wears a Screechy Wheels t-shirt. What's the fuck crazy? So he come to play with us, and we're like, so he learns the stuff. So then, from then on, our lineup is me on drums, Harry on guitar, Ryan on bass, and Jason. And uh, we are going to go on tour. Some shit goes down, and we can't tour. Something goes on. Um, I think Jason had to quit the band because he was married and was having a problem with his marriage kind of dissolving. So he basically had to quit. He's like, I can't do this. I've got too much stuff going on. I'm like, okay, that's fine. So he leaves, and we bring in Jacob from a band called Pink Flamingos, and he kind of carries the drum. He does the vocals kind of up almost to the end of the band, and we dissolve because I decide to move to uh, Philadelphia. Yeah. I moved out there to play music with a band called Wrong Day to Quit, but the yeah. band kind of imploded before I got there. It's weird, man. Philadelphia and Columbia had to, or this weird sister city vibe thing. Because right? yeah. a lot of kids from Philadelphia moved there and vice versa. Philadelphia's a fantastic city to live in. Uh, but I moved up there because uh, I was going to play with some the guys in this band called The Assistant. And they had another band and their drummer, uh, Tom, they had, he had left. And I was going to replace him. But like I said, by the time I got there, they had kind of imploded. It was, mm-hmm. it was, they were having issues. And uh, it was crazy. I could never really get anything worked out. I got up there and like, I had to work a good bit and, my living situation wasn't the best. Because we there with some roommates I had in Columbia that were great. But when I got there, shit had changed completely. Yeah. It was real kind of rough. And I was there. And then I just wound up coming back. Mm-hmm. I came back and I started playing with Harry again. He was doing a band with Aaron Bragg, okay. who was in Lewis Turnout. But yeah. this is before Lewis Turnout. He was, they had started some kind of like almost country band called, first it was Hiram Road. And they had a guy named Chad that sung for them. Harry was on drums. Mm-hmm. I was on bass. Aaron was on guitar. I have recordings of it. I'll eventually release that stuff. Uh, and the Hiram Road stuff had Chad singing. It was fine. And then Chad left. 
Aaron took over vocals. Harry moved to guitar. We got our drummer. And uh, we changed the name to Ellis Gray. The Ellis Gray. And we did a couple shows. Uh, It was funny. We did a show with yet another... Chris was supposed to move to Wilmington. So, Young Time Fury got back together for a while, which wound up being a little longer than a little while. We played for about another six months or so. We did a bunch of shows and stuff. And the Rhodes EP that I put out. Mm -hmm. When we were together, we were playing... And this was kind of like, they had done a show band with the, that one drummer for a minute. And there were some songs and stuff I'd heard. And I was like, dude, we should get together and record and stuff. Because Chris wound up going to Wilmington. And we started, um, like I said, I'd moved back and I moved to Rock Hill. And we started playing again. And we recorded that EP. And the reason that EP happened is Sean Likens was paying for it. Okay. Because, uh, fuck, what, hold on, shit. Um, I can't remember the label. It's the fucking guy from Less Than Jake. Uh, the Paramore's on, that they were on beforehand. Um, anyway, he had sent them the demo stuff, and they had a, a big interest, and they wanted to hear more. Mm-hmm. So he was like, look, I'll pay for you guys to go in, because these guys have interest in you. So we had recorded, actually, for that label. That was the reason it was done. But during that process of us recording it in that time, Sean ran back up to California. Mm-hmm. So we wound up just kind of being like, all right, fuck it. So we just kept it. And then I sat on it for a while, and then I had Death Falls Hope release it. Because I was like, look, I got this EP, and it is one of the best things I've been involved with. I was like, and Jonathan was a big Young Tom Fury fan. I was like, do you, could you put this out? And he was like, fuck yeah, man, we'll release it. Yeah. So he put the original five song thing out. I've re-released it now with, uh, as a full, like a year, 15 year or whatever or something, mm-hmm. with like five or six more songs on an hour or whatever. But, uh, so we got back and was doing that. We played for a while. And during that time... I remember Young Tom Fury kind of hiatus again because we never really break up. We would just stop playing for a while. And I started doing uh, Lewis Turnout mm-hmm. with Aaron and uh, because I basically was doing a band. And Walter Bentley I was friends with. He was doing a band called Pattern in the System with Harry at the time. Harry was playing drums and this guy named uh, Brad who used to be in the band, the Romans. Mm-hmm. They were doing a band together. And I was like, dude, we should do a fucking band. I was like, we should get together and just try to do something. I like something kind of like the Loved Ones, you know, just something that's just a good rock band, you know, like good rock punk band. And they're like, yeah, fuck yeah, let's do that. First couple songs. That's the uh, the first Lewis Trout EP, which is the uh, the one with John Locke from Lost on it. Mm-hmm. That EP, and then we wound up bringing Harry in. It's like, hey man, you should come in and play guitar on this. And he came in, and we did the first EP and started playing. And we did a, a lot, man. We played a good bit. That was that I did that band for a fucking really long time. I think yeah. we just we, we, we played a show with you guys a few years ago. Like, yeah, you played the show. Away. I think Walter couldn't play. We had Shelby then, right? Yeah. Because that band would change lineups a lot of the time. Like, it got to the point where we kind of stayed pretty consistent for a while with Harry, me, Walter, and whatever. And we'd play. Uh, About five years ago, Harry was like, nah, I'm kind of done with this. And he stopped playing. 
And then the point was, is like we kind of played as a three piece, but we didn't really work well as a three piece. Aaron did not cover enough stuff, mm-hmm. so that was the era where we started. We were constantly rotating me on guitar, and we'd always have a drummer for like a minute or two. It seemed like, mm-hmm. and during this time um, is when I started. I joined the band the Harlem Downsiders. <laughs> Chicago style, like Lawrence Arms, whatever punk rock stuff, f- really enjoyable. I yeah. just uh, a friend of mine, Devin, who was in the band Events with Stu years ago, was like, "You used to live in Columbia," and by this time, I had gotten married, moved to Columbia, bought a, uh, was about to buy a house, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Yeah, I still live here." He's like, you "Still play drums?" I'm like, "Of course, I still play drums." What the fuck? And he's like, "Hey, I'm in this band, and I'm living in Charleston, and I can't do it, but they're really good." I'm like, "Okay." And he sent me a couple tracks, and I was like, it's not bad. So I was like, uh, I was like, hey, man. And that band was Chip and Kyle and Kellen, who's in Long Shot Odds now, the bass player. Okay, yeah, yeah. He was in that band first, and yeah. then they kind of got him after the fact. I went and played with them, and it's fucking great. Really good. That Kyle and Chip as a, a team, fucking fantastic songwriters. Mm-hmm. That full length we put out, I'm super, very excited about. We did that, recorded at a. Uh, there and a lot of the songs they had already kind of written, and then we written, wrote about half of the songs on there after the fact. And uh, that band, it was cool because everything I've been pretty much going into, it's just like, all right, we're gonna tour, and this is what we're gonna do. Yeah. And then I, I kind of book like whenever I'm in a band, I pretty much book everything, mm-hmm. all the shows, whatever, and then I handle most of the the road manager type shit. I'm that guy goes to. I don't want it sets out like when we go on tour. I'm the one that sets down and I calculate all the miles, take the average of the price of the gas, what it's going to take. We got to rent a van, and then I'm like, all right, before we leave this place, I need everyone to give me this much money yeah. to cover all the expenses for this. Because the worst thing is like if you ever tour the Northeast or shit like that, it'll fucking break you if you're going through with barely any money and you hit the uh, the Verrazano Bridge going into New York. It's twenty two dollars for a fucking toll. Oh wow! People don't think that shit through. It may be more than that now. It's over twenty dollars, mm-hmm. and you you. This is a standard thing, and I'm like, all right, man, we need this much, and I'm like, before we leave, you need do we need this we need this much money, because I don't want people fighting because someone's gonna get stuck paying for the gas at this place. Like, oh well, you bought it; it was only two dollars, but now I'm up here buying it in this place. And it's fucking four. What the shit? And I'm like, this way, it all goes in here. Yeah. We can put it on a fucking charge card if we need to or whatever. I was like, that way, no one's getting fucked. If there's money at the end, then you know. We split it, but like the money the bands make, if you're especially if you're touring with a band or whatever, you keep your merch money, but the band money that we get paid needs to go in here. At the yeah. end, we split. It needs to be fair. Yeah. You know, and stuff. And like, I'm very adamant about this because the thing is, like I said, I've been on so many tours, like with Walsh, I'm a good example. I ate every bit of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, they did not come prepared. Even the early map stuff, like, I ain't, fuck, dude. We were in vans and I, I was I'm like, we, we can't, we can't do this. I was like, someone's going to get fucking stuck. Like, we went on tour with uh, Lewis Turnout. Yeah, Lewis Turnout, the first tour we went on, 
when video poker was a thing, yeah. Harry's job was video poker. That's what he did for a living. Okay. He made more money doing that than he did as a graphic designer years yeah. ago. And the fucking, we leave to go on tour that Thursday night. We play a show Friday. They shut down and lock everyone's bank accounts. All of Harry's money, which is thousands of dollars, mm. is locked up. He can't touch it. So we're like, fuck, man. And I mean, that's a fucking reasonable thing. That's not his fault. Yeah. Uh, so we're like, all right, we'll cover you. And he's like, look, this is what I can do. He's like, when we get to Atlantic City, because we were going to have a night off, we did a show and then drove all, instead of staying out there, we drove to Atlantic City. He's like, I will get his room for free there because I play so much poker that I have free Harris stuff. Yeah. Him and Walter both were poker players. So we get the Harris, we get two fucking free oh, wow. rooms, yeah. two nights comped because they're going to play because they have enough Hera like loyalty, whatever. So we get these fucking insane ass fucking rooms at like Harris <laughs> Casino uh, and shit up there. So, and we were on tour with the band Stage Fright Therapy. Same thing. I was like, look, guys, we need this much money. And whatever, which ironically, that tour is where I met my uh, now ex-wife because <laughs> she dated one of the guys in Stage Fright Therapy, which is fucking weird, like 10 years ago or whatever. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, we did that tour and stuff, but like, I'm it's pretty I'm, smart though to do it that way, to go ahead and like get all the money up front because. Yeah. I mean, you know what you're going to pay for, at least if you have to run a van, you can calculate, you know how, if you take, you're like, okay, we're playing these cities, you can take the mileage and you know how much it's going to be mm-hmm. and you can take, what is the average gas price across America? And all I do is run up to the, the next hundred. Like, yeah. if it comes up like, oh, it's $512. Like, all right, 600 bucks. Split up this many ways. Mm-hmm. I need this from you before we leave. That way I know the van is covered. Whatever. And then I'm like, this is what I'm taking for the van to pay for that. Because normally I'd pay for the van. I was like, and this is for what is left for all the money. Tolls, whatever. I was like, this should cover it. I was like, your food, it's on you. All that shit's on you. Yeah. I was like, you know, and like, when we get paid. This will get us there and this will get us back. This should get us there. We shouldn't have a problem where at the end of the day, we're like, oh man, we don't have any money. It's like, that will get us there. We know we're covered. It's like, and plus, band-wise, it's like, no, man, you, your merch is your responsibility. So, if you sell merch, that's your money. Mm -hmm. That's the only money I feel like the bands themselves, like, because we would get points where like, when we had that show where Harry had lost his wallet and shit, man. We, I remember being at a show in Jersey and we're like, man, we are fucking flat broke. We don't have any money. Like some shit that went crazy. We had to spend money or whatever. I'm like, we need cash, guys. Anything you want to give us, we'll, people are giving us 20 bucks for fucking t-shirts. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, awesome. But I mean, it was just like merch came through for us, man. We would not have made it back. The merch is your stuff, man. Especially if you're split with another band. I was like, I just need this. Yeah. It's like every person in the band needs to give this. It's like, if there's money at the end, which they're probably not going to be. You know, we'll split it up or whatever. And the thing is, you can't depend on us getting paid to, to limp through this, this tour. We need to make sure we can afford to do this tour. And this makes sure that we have the money to do this. Yep. That way I'm not worried about, oh, you've got this for whatever, you know. Oh, shit, now how do we get to the next town? Because we didn't make any money at the show. Yeah, it's like, we got the money in there. We've got it already. It, it's I've got the plan made. I run through a business plan for tour. Mm-hmm. I was like, this will get us home. Unless shit just goes crazy. Like, we blow up the... Which most of them we have rental vans. It's just like we'll just do that. And if you have seven, eight people in a rental van, it's actually not that expensive. Yeah. But a hundred bucks for a fucking tour. Yeah. You know, or whatever. If you book everything right. You book an online in advance. I mean you can get shit for like under hundred bucks a day, you know, and whatever, and you just don't waste your fucking time. Like don't get the rental van for the show that's like, you know, within an hour away from the place. Yeah. Fucking pick it up the next day. D- do shit right. And, you know, if you're if your if your last day of tours and home, don't fucking take it. They just yeah, get the van. Drop it off the light, yeah. You know, fucking be smart. Um, 
Yeah, that's how you tour, guys. There you go. Free lesson here. <laughs> and that's the way, this is Dwayne's way of doing it. Yeah. So, and that's, this works fine from, you know, there's always going to be some guy who doesn't show up with any fucking money. Mm-hmm. And I actually tell that band, well, you got to cover his part. Yeah. I'm like, sorry, but that's your guy. You knew what was going on. So, uh, if they didn't, whatever. But, uh, but yeah, we did Lewis turn out. Um, that band lasted for honestly, like, we just, I, we just officially called it because we were having a it's lot of been problems. Just a, few, just a few years, I remember. Yeah, because we were having a, a lot of problems near the end and stuff, and like we had our final lineup was was me and Aaron, and then Walter, and then Shelby from the Cherry Ices, mm-hmm. which I was also doing at the same time. Um, was playing drums, and at that time, uh, me and Walter started backing her for her solo stuff. So that was going on, and like it's got to the point where like Aaron was having a lot of problems, where he wasn't making shows, and you got to the point where it's just like he was like, "Oh, just here, I just can do it," and I'm like, "No, nah, man, I don't want to do that," and it's not the same. It's a yeah. different band. We were not the same kind of band either, and I'm like, "I'm not." It's, people didn't want that. I want this band to play, and so we're just like, "Fuck it," you know. It yeah. just became such a hassle, and I was like, "All right, we've got a ten year run. We're good, done," you know, and stuff. And I'm still really good friends with Aaron, and I keep telling him we should get together and track some of his stuff and maybe do something. Not so big. I mean, because he just he's just not built for it. Plus, he him him and Tour were not the best friends. He yeah. had a really hard time with it. He fucking I took him to New York for the first time ever, and he was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> Why well, Aaron doesn't curse? So he was like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> Now I'm, uh, I guess I'm still technically in the band Seriously Dead. Yeah. Which is uh, weird because I wanted to write, start writing stuff and had not played with Harry in years. He had uh, gone on to do whatever he'd been doing. He's like, man, I really want to start playing music again. So um, a year or like, let me see if I'm quarantine years. I was going to say, it's, it's hard to remember because to COVID took up pretty much all of 2020. Beginning of 2019. Yeah. I was like, we should start writing music. He's like, yeah, we should. And so we had worked on getting together and we got a practice space. And I had two Lewis Turnout songs that I had written that we never recorded. And I was like, I got these two songs I'd like to use because mm-hmm. uh, I don't want them to go away. It's that uh, Better Angel song and um, No Regrets. Okay. Not even one. Those two songs I had written. Those were totally my songs. Like, I don't see any reason I'm not keeping these because mm-hmm. I'm not going to throw yeah. them away. I like the songs. And Harry was like, yeah, we should start playing. And I was like, cool, man, we should do that. And I'd already, I'd just broken up Lewis Turnout. And me and Harry got together and I'm like, we should start doing so. We haven't done this over forever. And of course, Walter's like, bro, I want to play. So I'm like, okay. And for a minute there, it was basically going to wind up being Lewis Turnout without Aaron, which was probably going to be really brutal because he was probably not going to be happy about it. <laughs> because at one time, Shelby was going to play with us. She was the last drummer. Yeah. Um, but it went on being that way. She was like, I don't really want to play right now. I just, I'm, I'm real busy with stuff. And uh, so we started tr- working on songs. And then we got a guy named Justin Poole from a Craigslist ad we put up. He's in a band called the uh, Municipators or something out of Spartanburg. Okay. I think that's what they're called. Which we'd played a show randomly with them in Charleston at one time. But I didn't know them. But he, he was like, hey, I play drums, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, fuck it, come on out. So he came out and he was, he was fine. And he helped us on the first five or six songs we recorded. And he did a couple shows with us. And like I said, he just, he wasn't working out. And he wound up quitting. He's like, I need to make some money. And 
and whatever. And then, uh, so he stopped and we started just kind of working on songs and writing a bunch of new material. And then fucking February of 2020 hit. And then it just like said, my dad was diagnosed with cancer the year before. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has small cell lung cancer. So it's, 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 um, what's the word? Um, it's contained like he's fine. Benign or whatever. Or no, it's not benign. Or... It's he is the kind you can't cure. Yeah. So they just uh... treat it. They're just our whole point is just to maintain it. Yeah, and you yeah. could live fine, you know, or whatever. Um. So it's it's maintained like they've got it under control or whatever. So that's not an issue. But the thing was, I don't want to go around him with, with any of this stuff because COVID has been like was a huge super. Like I didn't see them for months. Yeah. Um. So that was a thing. Harry's dad. It was crazy. Like in a series of months, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. Harry's dad went in because he went. I had some like super critical heart condition. Mm. So his dad's still around. He's good. And then Walter's dad had like his fourth fucking battle with cancer with something else, and he wound up passing away earlier last year, uh, not from COVID, but he had uh, stage four colon cancer. But he yeah. had cancer like three different times and mm. stuff. And his dad's this crazy like. I don't know. He fell off an RV one time. Like, what the fuck are you up on an RV for? You're like 80 <laughs> years old or whatever. But so like, it was crazy. We were talking about how like, you can tell you're old because our dads are all like fucking falling apart. Yeah. But uh, like I said, my dad's, um, he's still kicking and everything, you know, and stuff. And then like Harry's dad's still doing fine. But then Harry also uh, around the end of the year, right before 2020, uh, had his first kid. So he just had Abby or Abigail, their daughter. And, um, so that was going on. So we really just haven't gotten back into trying to play or anything yeah. yet. Because we let our space go because we weren't using it. Plus the space we had every fucking three months, they were raising the rent. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, we, we're the only people that stay here. No one else stays in these places. They're all gone. So like we'd be the people you'd want to keep the rent okay with. But uh, like I said, eventually we want to get back in and start recording and doing whatever. So really all I've been doing lately is I do that Hero Support podcast. Yeah. And... Which has nothing to do with music. It's this movie podcast. Which yeah, I, I want to I I be on one of those episodes. Oh yeah, yeah, no, soon. definitely that would be great. No, the, the funny thing about it is like my I, movies are like my one of my super fucking passions. I yeah. love fucking media in general and movies and stuff. And so my whole thing was to do a podcast about movies with people that play music. So yeah. it's like we we talk about the very minimum of what bands you know if you're in a band or whatever, but. I let the, I let someone pick out what they want to what they want to do. Like the first one I ever did was Taylor from Hearts on Fire. He wanted to do we we're both the thing about me and Taylor we were really t- good friends, but our love is super into Stephen King. Mm-hmm. And we're like we could totally do a Stephen King plot. And I'm like we got to bring it in, uh, tighten it up. And so we decided to do Dead Zone, which is my favorite Stephen King novel. Yeah. And also the movie is fantastic. So we wound up coming in there, and that became a really crazy podcast. That was where I decided that I couldn't do hour and a half or so because. We could talk forever about whatever because we did the stuff with the. We talked about the movie and then we got in our love of Stephen King yeah. and just randomly or whatever. And uh, that was when it was still just a Bandcamp hosted site. I did the next one with Jason from the map. He came down and it was funny. The first one was pretty prepared, watched the movie. He came with notes, came with notes. The second one, they showed up in my house. I hadn't seen him in a while. He just moved back from Colorado. We watched They Live and then we went upstairs and talked about it. Like yeah. it was completely the opposite of the first thing. And it was it was cool. We had a friend of mine named Josh Newell. Uh, Newell Josh Newell. I, think, I can't remember his last name. Our friend Josh, mm-hmm. a mutual friend of ours, came down and he was on the podcast. And it was it was cool. It was a little more uh, a little more drunken because they were kind of drinking beers and watching yeah. the movie. 
and I was uh, cracking Coke Zeros like an insane person. And uh, <laughs> so we did that, and then uh, I kind of let go for a while because of COVID. Yeah. And then I finally got back and just started back up, and I've done three more in the last couple months. Yeah, no, he was a total dick to me at that show. <laughs> and then, like, and then I, we did the show in Boone, the yeah. Jesus Saves Space, the infamous Jesus Saves show. Which I've got on that videotape over there, which oh, I, I was going to try to get it digitized before you came mm-hmm. over here, but I couldn't find my little thing because I had two of them and I broke one of them. Well, I know it's on I, I YouTube. Found, I, I finally found one. Yeah, well, I know the, it's the on Jesus Saves things is on YouTube, but I've got the whole show over there. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Okay, that'd be, that'd be cool. Yeah, like that, that was a fucking weird fucking event anyway. That shit was so weird. But anyway, but. Um, that was a fun night, though. Yeah, that was a lot that of fun. Was, it was but, weird. There was a lot of weird stuff happening. Well, night. that was the night we stayed at uh, we stayed at Bowen's house, yeah, right? We stayed at his apartment. That okay, night. his apartment. And I remember that night was funny because Eric was shit faced. Oh yeah, yeah, of like course. super <laughs> drunk. But I stayed up with him all night and we talked. And I was telling him, I was like, dude, he was like, first of all, man, he was like, you were a total fucking prick. He's like, honestly, dude, he's like, I was probably super nervous. He's like, I, I like you. You're a great man. I, this is when we first really started, first met. Mm-hmm. And I consider Eric a, a really great friend now. It's not like, yeah. I mean, he's a great guy. I love Eric. He, he's a good guy, but I can't see, like, at that time, how he could come off as a dick to somebody. Oh, yeah. He was a total fucking, just kind of yeah. like, because he's just kind of like, kind of like, whatever. And I mean, I know it was just probably him just. Being weird because yeah. Joey's like, "Hey, this is Dwayne." Oh, and I was like, "Yeah, man, I know you're some of your bands with high." He's like, "Oh, that's cool, man. You know what?" Like he's just kind of like, "Whatever," you know. Yeah. And I'm like, "Okay, well, I'm gonna walk away now." <laughs> like he just was kind of a dick. Like I remember what he said, but it was real assholeish and you know, something. I was like, "Okay," you know, I just like left or whatever or something. And I'm, I'm sure I've done that to people before and like rubbed them the wrong way. Yeah, not even thought about. It. This has been a Gavagano Hunt Media Production.
Speaking of while we're talking about names, where did the Style Kings come from? The Style Kings name. Everybody loves that name. It's a good name. It's funny. If you looked it up on Google, there's a lot of hilarious shit in the Style Kings. There's a bunch of dance crews that love to use the name the Style Kings. Oh, really? Kings. Yeah. yeah. There's I mean, a car club called sense. the Style Kings. Um, yeah, we had to separate with the, the question. The question mark is actually what makes that name yeah. what it is. <laughs> no, we were years ago. I don't remember exactly what was happening, but we were having a conversation about band stuff. And someone said something, and I swear to God, I thought they said the Style Kings. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a great name. Like, what? The Style Kings? Like, I didn't say that. Yeah. I was like, that's what I fucking heard. And it just kind of stuck. Yeah. Because at the time, it was just me and Russell at the time. And I was like, fuck it. That's what it is. And then the whole joke of the matter is the, the, the question mark. mark because yeah. like, the Style Kings? Yeah. Because yeah, we were the most unstylish. Because <laughs> it wasn't like, it wasn't like, you know, you were like, oh, the Style Kings, you're gonna go, you think you're going to see a fucking ska band. Like, it, I mean, honestly, you could easily think if we'd have showed up, like, oh, man, we're in suits and shit. Yeah. But we were the most, uh, you know, Andrew was fucking, honestly, I think he was. He's probably the most he, stylish one at the he, time. Um, and I think he was still doing Jinkos and, like, yeah, Adidas. Yeah, and, and Adidas. And as long as he's wearing Adidas gazelles <laughs> and, like, uh, honestly, shirts. by the time he was wearing those, they probably weren't really that much of yeah, style. Because I remember him wearing, like, barrel leg jeans and stuff like that and stuff. And I mean, I just wore, like, fucking work clothes. I had work shirts and work clothes. Because yep, I was yeah. a fucking. I, don't know, I was a chubby dude, <laughs> chubby twenty something year old, and Russell T-shirt and jeans guy. I mean, yeah, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean that's where that name came from.